welcome to the Articulate Ox Podcast. I'm your host, Soma79. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode. My guest today, Katie Newton, art therapist, yoga teacher, uh, designer. I loved talking with Katie. We do something a little different on this episode where we do a lightning round of 79 questions, meaning that I wrote up 79 kind of random questions ahead of time, and we just fired them off, and Katie was nice enough to answer all of them. So this episode is a little supersized because we talked for about a half an hour before we even get into all that, and uh, I didn't really know how long that was going to take, but apparently longer than um, I would have anticipated. So hope you enjoy it. Um, this is actually a new format I might try out on some different interviews, so if you're listening now and you're an artist and you kind of want to get hammered with 79 lightning round questions from Zoma79 himself, then uh, hit me up. All right, cool. Hope you enjoyed the episode. That was my cat that just knocked the camera around. All right, peace. Bye. Hey, welcome to the newest episode of the Articulate, Articulate Ox podcast with your host, Soma79. My guest today is Katie Newton. How are you doing today, Katie? I'm doing great. Yes, Articulate Ox. I love that. Thank you very much. So, Katie, you you do work in fashion. You are a mental health counselor. You are an art therapist. You are a yoga instructor. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I will. Yes. So, well, first off, shout out to Soma79. I've been following you since 2016, I think. So I'm glad that we got just to connect. Baby but... back then. Thank you. Yes, that's right. I know. So it was just, I was just emerging onto the art and fashion scene back then. I actually asked for your advice on some art I was making. So that was, uh, it's fun to have that come full circle. Um, but okay. since then, since we first uh, talked, you know, years ago, I uh, finished my graduate program as an uh, art therapist. And then I now work as an art therapist and a licensed mental health counselor, but for fun and for art, I make wearable art. So I've been doing fashion since 2014. Um, and then more like I'm more seriously about 2018. And uh, everything I make is out of like upcycled materials. It's either trash or it's uh, like upcycled garments that are already in existence, that sort of thing. And then just transform and make into something, uh, something pretty unique. I feel like the more unique the material is, the more unique the garment's going to be. Well, that's really cool. Cause I've been watching what you've been making for years on Instagram. And you're one of those mm -hmm. people who always, you're always one of the first people in my stories because I, I, I've always watched yours because they're always so interesting. I never really know what to expect out of it. I didn't realize all the stuff you're making was upcycled. That's, that's I like that. Yeah, impressive. it's true. So it's interesting. So when, I, when we first started talking years ago, I was working, um, before I started graduate school, I was working at Eli Lilly, which is a drug development company yep. as a toxicology technician, which is totally, totally weird. But I would handle these uh, samples that came in these really awesome, like awesomely engineered, brilliantly engineered packing materials. And I was like, I just can't stand to throw this stuff away. Yeah. And then I'd have a lot of downtime. So I just walk over this huge science complex and there'd be boxes of laboratory junk outside of the labs that would be just ready to be thrown away. So I started pilfering through them and I'm like, there's like pipette tips, there's like centrifuge parts, there's test tubes, there's all this like trash that they were throwing away, but it was like awesome trash. Like yeah, you're after my it. own heart, I'd be the same way. Yeah, for sure. I was like, I could visualize how I could take the pipette tips with like the warp Tupperware lids and make like a hat or something, yeah. you know? So I started collecting these things and then I just started making things for fun. And then uh, somebody asked me to be part of a Day of the Dead fashion show at a local museum here in Indianapolis. And that was kind of how I got into the art scene. And then that's when I started doing fashion. And then just it kind of took off from there. 
what is really the the culture like in Indianapolis? It's a city I've never really been to. Um, is it uh, is is fashion big there, or what? What do you what, what's the feel I of this? Say the, the, what it is right now is that they the speaking of Lily, Eli Lily gave um, the city of Indianapolis a forty three million dollar endowment for the arts. So the art scene is popping here right now. It's like there's so many opportunities for artists of like all levels. Awesome. The fashion scene is like come everything's like emerging. So right now in Indianapolis, everything's like blooming with art everything there's it's everywhere there's murals going off on every jiffy lube in the city there's like every dilapidated buildings being refurbed into some sort of maker space it's just a really neat time to be in indianapolis right now so it's always like that but it's been like that since you know since i think we you and i started talking these ideas started to come to fruition about you know 2014 2016 around there oh that's awesome i didn't realize that um, yeah where are you from where do you live so i live out in western massachusetts i'm from like the boston area i, I grew up in hoppington which is where the boston marathon starts so it's pretty, pretty small I town how, how i found you on instagram i don't i must have just just one of those random things i guess right yeah um, i know it's it's weird i mean it's it's funny like that's one of the things i like about doing about doing this is that i mean where i live i live in a town of about five thousand people there's I rarely meet anybody with similar interests. So like my girlfriend has to listen to me ramble about stuff she doesn't care about. So this gives me an opportunity to actually connect with other people who have similar interests. It's, it's... That, this is a perfect job for you then as a podcast, because then you can ramble all you want and yeah, uh, nobody, yeah. nobody's there to, to hear you. So I like yeah. it. And I love talking about this stuff. So thank you. Yeah. So let's talk. So art therapy is something that really interests me. It's something that I had thought about maybe going into when I was at a sort of a career um, crossroads mm -hmm. a few years ago and obviously I didn't but what um what got you into art therapy and what is like a typical day as an art therapist like oh I love this question so I was a client in an art therapy group um, at an addictions clinic back in like 2008 right and um I had never done any never done art like I think the furthest I went as far as doing art was probably middle school right mm -hmm. but I went into this addictions program there was this man there's named Jim Biteman he's the first like licensed the art therapist in the state of Indiana dude was like a wizard to me and he looked like a wizard too, like long nails and like a beard and like silky hair and stuff but he would there was a mixed population of people anything from like men that worked on the railroad blue collar to like soccer moms to the person from under a bridge that's been shooting heroin you get everybody across the gamut yeah. in these groups right and I saw how he used art therapy with these hostile personalities different personalities and he'd have something new every single day and he was like a wizard to me. He was like, he just to see how he could overcome obstacles for these people that traditional therapy could not, right? And also on top of that, he kind of showed me that I was kind of good at art, or at least I enjoyed it mm -hmm. and gave me a lot of confidence because he kind of like fostered that for me. And so when I was thinking about when I was working at my, with my rat testicle samples at Eli Lilly, and I'm like, this job is not for me, what am I going to do? I thought back to like pivotal moments in my life that changed it for the better, and I thought back to that art therapy group and I'm like, what's it take? What do you have to do to become an art therapist? Like I was wondering about that. So um, you have to take 18 hours of studio art or have that from undergraduate. And then you have to have upper psychology level classes, which I did have from undergraduate. So I started taking these art classes. That's about when I contacted you about my, my zine that I was making my comic strip. And then um, you create a diverse portfolio. You apply to the programs, two-year program. You have a clinical internship, things like that. And then you become an art therapist. So um, that's kind of how I got into it. And it was later on in life. I was an older person in my cohort. You know, I had was like with 20-year-old people straight from undergraduate. I was in my 30s, had a family already and stuff. So 
Um, so a typical day is so fun. It is the funnest job ever. I work with the funnest people. You never know what you're going to get. Right. And the thing about art therapists is like, they can improvise, they can improvise, adapt and overcome. They have the materials there. Um, it's, I work in community mental health. Now I moved away from working in addictions and, um, you get, I have lots of schizophrenic patients. I have a lot of personality disorders. Those behaviors are really disruptive. Right. And mm -hmm. so you just have to like, roll with the punches sometimes literally you have to roll with them yeah. you're gonna get punched you know so you get the art stuff out the art is the buffer between um the negative emotions and the person administering right and then yeah. you can channel all of these things into art it can be very like cathartic or it could simply be here's something to like pass the time here's right. a, a positive habit to replace a bad habit you know so you mentioned that you, when you were a patient in a, in a facility that you were, you had your first art therapy experience and that was when art came out of you. How important was it to you in that moment to have somebody who was able to find some, see something in you that you didn't see? Was that an impactful <laughs> thing? It was pivotal. It was, it was like, here's a person, you know, like, cause you're, you're not doing, you're not living your life to the best if you end up in a rehab facility, right? I've already like fucked a bunch of things up, you know, maybe like squandered some major opportunities, things like that. Like, mm -hmm. you know, and then you, you end up in this place and this person's, they see you, they, they see the talent that you have or the, the potential that you have. And that's like my personal mantra as a art therapist, all humans are innately creative. I mean, creativity doesn't just have to go into artwork, right. Or whatever it goes into problem solving solving skills. It goes into how you operate in the daily world. So each human being I know is a creative being, right? And so I like to help people unlock that because when they have that creativity, they have the power to solve problems. Right. Because a lot of people that I think you see in your day-to-day -day life that don't seem creative, I think they're people who just don't feel like they have the permission to be creative or their life doesn't exactly. allow them to, to do that. But I do think it's something that we're all born with. And then we slowly, like a lot of people slowly move away from it because it's, it doesn't right. seem like it, it's not the straightest line between A and B. It's usually a very crooked line between A, B, C, D, you know. Right. Public, you're exactly right. Field. I think people associate the word creativity with being artistic, right. Or being, or being outside of the box or something like that. When you get, especially when you get into like adulthood, you get into a routine or something, you know, right. you don't have a lot of opportunities to be creative, but that, I mean, instinctually humans evolved from creativity. If you think of like problem solving skills back in like Neanderthal time, they yeah. had to figure out how to use creativity to survive. Right. So yeah. it's innately. In Someone each, had to in build a wheel. Exactly. That's right. Cave drawings, all that stuff, yeah. making fire, making spears or whatever, whatever they were doing back then, but it's an innate thing and everybody's got it. So I do think you're right. People don't have the, give themselves permission to be creative or people don't understand like how valuable it is or that, you know, doing things like that is a waste of time or something, you know? So I'm here to like, to like give that gospel and be like, listen, everybody can do this, right. And it will improve your life if you do so. Yeah. Yeah. And do you, do, you, do you find with your patients that the, you do see improvement or like how, what's, what's a, what's a good positive response that you've seen out of patients? positive response. So we start with like the group, I run groups, right? So the group is like a microcosm of the real world, right? A lot of the people that are there, they forgot even how to be a person, right? They don't know how to like operate within a group, follow ru rules, follow social norms, uh, just being polite or just being um, behaving in a way that is like acceptable within other people, right? You know, they're just right. so, when you're entrenched in like the throes of schizophrenia, I mean, you're not really thinking about any, anything that's sensical, let alone the consideration of others. So the group itself, if you even took the art away from it, 
serves as a microcosm to teach behavior, right? right. Is to help help people learn how to be. Because objectively then, speaking, like not judgmentally, it is very self um you're very self uh absorbed when you have those states because your your mental state requires you to be self-absorbed, requires you yeah, essentially to live absolutely. in your own world and then right. interact with others, especially others that have similar issues, mm-hmm. is is difficult. You know, it's... Right, exactly. It it is difficult, and um, so that so you know, and the people that I work with, they a lot of the people I work with are uh, some of our group homes. We have group homes where a lot of these people, these people I'm describing, live together. So they have a clinical staff that helps them with medication, teaches them basic life skills, ensures that they do hygiene and stuff like that. So I'm kind of working with people that are in that phase where they are treat they're in treatment, right? They're getting treated regularly with medication, things like that. But the outcomes uh, of what I'll see is, is like, I use art one to get a baseline, right? We'll do a basic art therapy assessment. There's an interesting one that we use called the PPAT. And that's a person picking an apple from a tree, right? You just draw that. That's all you need to draw. You use Mr. Sketch markers, like the scented ones. Like it has yeah. to be those markers specifically. And then a regular piece of printer paper. And then you're, what you're assessing for is one cognitive ability. Can they follow the instructions? Two, mm-hmm. problem solving skills. Is there a basket to get the apples? Is there a ladder? Uh, how realistic is it? Is it nonsensical? How do they represent themselves in the drawing? Like you could tell if somebody's in active psychosis, if for example, the background, the tree and the apples are normal, but the person is distorted. The person oh, draws themselves in a distorted way. Yeah, it's really wild. So then you use the fundamentals of art, like line quality, use of space, preservation, uh, these different different things to get a read on defense mechanism, you get a read on, uh, you can get a preliminary diagnosis of what's going on with people from that sort of thing. This may be sort so of a weird question, but so to what degree mm-hmm. did the patients understand that they're engaging in this sort of um, exchange, I guess? Is the- so when it comes to doing an assessment, I'm pretty explicit about that. I tell them why we're doing this. Do they understand those more sophisticated concepts? Some of them don't, some of them do. Um, when you explain that some of the ones that do sometimes would be like, well, I don't want you to get or, you know, things right. like that or whatever. But then the other things that we do are that are more like driven to heal trauma or they're more driven to um, boost mood, decrease anxiety, things like that. Or if you're looking from like a solution focused standpoint, like, for example, on Wednesday, we did make a collage. Half of it's your needs, half of it's your wants. Where does it overlap? How do we differentiate between the two? Right. So it could be anything from like. As from diagnostic to like deep catharsis of getting rid of trauma to like let's get down to the basics and just do problem solving skills or like what do you need to have a home what do you need to have a house like those two different things like home we need love we need belonging we need safety house we need spoons and blankets those sorts that's, of I've things never, are, that's really interesting i've never thought of it that way but that's something i'm definitely going to be pondering on the difference between what it means to have a house and what it means to have a home yeah, right. Because it's like, you know, you have, let's say you have your hierarchy of need needs met, right? You've got, you have, you have everything you need. You have a roof, you have a couch, you have food, you have clothes, but like you're still lonely and you're still miserable, you know, right. because people need love, people need companionship, things like that. It's a lot of the things that um, the people I work with, you know, they have a lonely existence really because it's very hard to be in a relationship it's very hard to even have relationships with family members because their behaviors can be so extreme and so destructive and i can relate to that with my family it's it's difficult and then it's hard on both sides and you know you mm -hmm. both wish it was better you know yeah it, it is hard it's the worst one of the most challenging populations to work with are people that have personality disorders because this is not something that's a chemical imbalance in your brain these are maladies behaviors 
and it's incredibly it's fascinating but it's incredibly difficult to navigate these those right. type of clients it's, they, t- they, they tend to be kind of exhausting people in general just because yeah. they they'll they'll keep going when you're when you think they're ready to give up they've just started sometimes you're right here i've got this book right here this is the uh I hate you. Don't leave me book. This is the uh, borderline personality book right here. Borderline I haven't read that one, but I've read a bunch of books on borderline personality disorder. The, the sociopath next door. If you've never read the sociopath next door by Martha Stout, I've bought that for like 10 people in my life. It's it's. Did you, uh, do you, are you surrounded by sociopaths? Is this like here? Here's a, here's a helpful hint. Well, like, it's just one of those things that like, um, they don't teach you about personality. They don't teach you about how dangerous personality disorders are and how they don't really teach you enough about empathy. And I think there's people, most people in the world want to think that like, you know, person to person, most people are good. And I think it's important to know there's some, and maybe good is too judgmental of a word, but there's certain people who are just operating on a slightly different frequency and being aware of that is important. And um, it's, and then knowing how to sort of, I have this thing that I do that I tell people at work that um, there's certain people at my job and I don't go to the work anymore. I work from home remotely, but um, there are certain people who I'd say I have to have have car crash conversations with. There are people who my anxiety goes up just thinking about them because it's always going to be about them. It's always going to be go on for too long, but they say that when you get into a car crash, try to make your body go limp so that you don't get injured. I try to do that emotionally when I feel like I'm going to have a car crash for conversation. I just let my, I just try to take those deep yoga yoga breaths and let myself go limp and realize this conversation is going to happen. It's, it's too late to hit the brakes and just allow this person to be heard. Cause a lot of these people, they're the way you feel about them and the way you want to react is the way that everybody reacts. So if you give them mm-hmm. off a different energy, you're often going to get one back and they just, people just want to be heard a lot of times. Right. That's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. And that's a, that's a lot of part of like of what counseling is really, you know, it's like people just want to, to be listened to. They want to be seen. Right. They want to be heard. They want to feel understood, but that's a brilliant, uh, analogy of letting your body go limp like just not reacting to the people and it's like that's a conversation we have all the time it's like we can't control what others do and how others act but we can control how we respond because once your body goes tense then your mind starts going tense too that's exactly so it's right. kind of cutting it off at the um at the source and then you're just like okay mm-hmm. you know yeah, yeah that's let, right let the air let the right airbag now. smack you in the face and just let them ramble <laughs> Right. Like, you know, this is going to be destructive, but you just got to sit back and like, and go for the ride, you know? So that's a great, great way to understand it. Um, the borderline people, the personality disorders are fascinating, but they are challenging. Um, but as a therapist, like the people that really get your heart are the people that have like schizophrenia, they can't, that's something they're born with. It's usually onset a little bit later you know, in life, usually like teenage time uh, or adolescence is usually when you'll see that onset. Um, but they're just precious to me, especially these folks that come from the group home because I work with them very closely. I'm like in their home environment. So mm-hmm. I get to see how they function day to day. And it just tickles me. Like they just they just tickle me to death because they're just so precious to me. But then I have a whole roster of outpatient clients I see that are anywhere from uh, depression, just like, you know, chronic depression, anxiety to like, you know, more sophisticated things like like we described borderline personality disorders um, and then also DCS cases, things like that. So for somebody who may have family members with schizophrenia, what may be some advice that you would give them about um, how to to deal with them on a day-to-day basis and what to be prepared for? Gosh, that's hard. It's really hard. You know, I think I like what you said about being 
being empathetic, trying to be empathetic, but it's difficult to empathize because empathize is like, I feel with you. But when you right. see somebody that's having these, ex these intense experiences, you can't that truly relate. Norm you can't truly relate. That's exactly right. So um, my advice would be find a support group, you know, find a support group of people with um, that have family members like that. You know, I have somebody who's severely schizophrenic who lives with his brother and it's a, uh, so sad to see how the brother copes with it. You know, he doesn't have healthy coping mechanisms, resorts to self-destructive behaviors, things like that, you know, because he's he is also isolated because he has this person he has to care for. He can't have friends over. He has, you know, that sort of thing. So healthy support system, for sure. That would be one piece of advice. I don't have a whole lot of experience working with families um, with the exception of this one client, but I do see how it impacts the family and so many family members just run, you know, they institutionalize. Um, but I would be get a support group, find your own therapist. Um, if you want to help them, you know, make sure that they are participating in medication management, if that's something or get a get to a provider that has something called like a care manager, which is a person that can help coordinate their care actually comes out and uh, works with the person and helps them. That's what I did before I became a therapist. I work as a care manager and I'd go into their home, make sure they're taking their meds, make sure they're getting out of bed, um, kind of help them with more day-to-day -day type of thing. Well, that's, that's very, that's very helpful stuff. I appreciate that. Um, so we have, we're going to get to this in a few minutes. We have a, a lightning round that we're going to, is the first time we've done this in our Take a List Ox podcast, or I have um, 79 questions that we're going to see if we can get through. Um, but before we get to that, I, so what we usually talk about in this podcast is things that inspired you. We usually ask the guests to come up with a few topics. So you mentioned a few, uh, I got my first introduction ever to love and hip hop Atlanta today, which, uh, uh, which season did you watch? Which I, well, I watched like a, like a YouTube video that showed like clips from different seasons. So I could kind of uh -huh. get an idea. So it was just like these random scenes where things kind of start off and everything's okay. And they slowly escalate and then they're not. And you're like, yeah. It's um right. I'm so, so so I'm somebody who's a little uncomfortable around people fighting. And so these shows, like I kind of I was watching on the elliptical and I kind of find myself like looking around the room because I'm just so uncomfortable watching two people argue. That's hilarious. That I can just imagine you on the elliptical trainer like Yeah, I'm like looking like and I'm just like I'm like imagining what I, I'm like, I don't know if I was there, what would I do? Like would I stop That's them? So would funny. I like I guess I'd be one of those guys in the black shirts behind them going, Is this is this a time for me to jump in? Like <laughs> Yeah, so right now, what is it I about that show that inspires you? Oh, the fashion. I don't know if you watch. Oh, it, yeah, there was some. I definitely <laughs> love some of the fashion choices. It's the fashion. Their fashion is wild. It's yeah. so, I mean, like those those types of reality shows. I've always liked hip hop for one. I've always yeah. and they have a whole franchise like there's Love and Hip Hop New York, L.A., Miami. But the most endearing characters are in Atlanta. I've been to Atlanta. Atlanta is a vibrant place. It I is. love it. I've been to the Bronner Brothers hair show, like where they have the wigs and the competition and all this stuff. I love, I love that. And I feel like African-American uh, fashion, especially in the hip hop world, and it, it is just glamour. They really yeah. like the, the most prominent designers in our town in Indianapolis are all in the African-American community. They've been doing fashion shows long before, like, they, at churches, at like yeah. community centers, they've always been doing this stuff. That show, I mean, sure, I like the drama, right? Because I don't mind the cat fight, getting a drink thrown, yeah. all that stuff. I'm okay with that stuff. But their fashion is out of control. And it all comes to like the very end of the hub. They have a reunion, right? Where they all get to come and talk about uh, all the stuff that happened. They show the best clips. But at the reunion is when they really show out with the fashion. They show up in the gowns or like the asses out or the back of the dress. I got to watch that. Like, 
the weave is like insane and it's just like stuff it borders to me it borders on drag almost and drag is really what my true inspiration is it's like because it's so over the top with the nails the hair the you know the 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 glamour and all that stuff and really what I find to be like the most beautiful is like does not exist in the natural realm of beauty like RuPaul Charles is the most beautiful woman in the world to me and that's not even a woman this is like a man it's got all of these supernatural looking features like giant hair, mm-hmm. you know, um, beautiful big gowns, uh, tall, 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 you know, things that don't exist in the yeah. natural realm of beauty. I like surreal looking stuff. It's just like the gift of like the, the gift of gab and the confidence and the swagger that RuPaul mm-hmm. sort of has too. that just it all comes together. It's just yeah. it's the assembly of parts is just amazing. That's exactly right. And RuPaul is somebody who created a platform. I've been watching RuPaul's Drag Race since before I ever started in fashion, before I ever had a child, probably in early recovery. At that point, I started watching RuPaul's Drag Race season one. It was like very low budget. The camera looked like it had like a smeared Vaseline on it, had this filter on it. The the prize was only $10,000. The queens were like, you know, just kind of like noobs, you know, but what I loved about that show was that that's where I learned how to make clothing is because they'd be like, okay, we're taking everybody to the dollar store. You're going right. to get a hundred dollars to fill it up and everybody's going to go in the workroom and you're going to make a couture gown. I watched every single episode of that show all the way up to the current episodes. Everything that I've really made, most everything has been inspired and I've learned from watching that show. Also trial and error, of course, but that's what you see them doing. You see them right. doing trial and error stuff. So uh, RuPaul created the platform for our drag queens to make it mainstream. And now like the prize on the show is like $200,000. And then if you're on that show, it propels you into stardom, right? right. It's like they created this, this platform to make dra- the form of drag mainstream, legitimize the art. Um, and that is really inspiring to me. So would you say that's some of your earliest memories of drag or did it go back prior to that? Oh, I have no, my best friend in high school was a drag queen. So I graduated from high school in 1999. Um, I had the only drag queen in the small Indiana town I was from. His name was Denny Thompson, RIP. Um, He went by Chanel DVA. And I remember he'd come over, we'd do hair and makeup. We, I had a Polaroid camera. We like drape a sheet on the wall and do photo shoots and stuff like that. He taught me how to do hair, taught me how to do nails, taught me how to jerry rig like a, a photo backdrop and like a lighting system and stuff like that. Taught me all of those things. And that goes all the way back to when I was 16, 17. You got to be pretty brave to be out in drag in high school in like 1997, eight. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. that's, you know, there are yeah, people in the Midwest. Right. I graduated from high school in 97 and there are a few people who years later, I think came out as gay, but there was really no one openly gay in my high school. No, really. Mm -hmm. There was one kid who would wear a pink bow every once in a while, but like, that was like it. And then it's just, I grew up around none of this. And I, I mean, I'm someone Mm -hmm. who identify as non-binary and like, but Mm -hmm. these were things that didn't exist when I was a kid. It was like, I just felt different, but you know, I was sort of brought up to think that everybody was kind of just cut from the same, you know, cracked from the same ice cube, you know? Right, exactly. And, you know, and I met that person when I was like ostracized by my friends, you know, I mean, in small towns, especially, I, you know, I have more hope for generations today. My son's friends are quite lovely and accepting and all these concepts are at the forefront now. But back then, I mean, I was ostracized from my friends. I didn't have any friends at all. Um, and was a total outcast, like publicly humiliated and, you know, all these cruel things that happened in high school. And this person, the only gay kid in school was my friend then, you know, and and not only my friend was like a super glamorous friend that like 
told me I could be like work and like, you know, just gorgeous and doing and wearing all the things I wanted to wear, acting the way I wanted to act. Cause I always had this like, um, drive and desire to want to be and look glamorous and wanting to wear things, but you couldn't do it there. People make fun of you. Right, you know? yeah. Like you want to be glamorous and cool, but this person's like, I don't give a fuck. You know, this is who I am. Like I was born this way. I can't fight this, you know? So this is what I'm going to do. And there was one, one gay bar in town called our place. And that was the place where aptly named <laughs> yeah, our, our place. That was it. And so that was the place where, he did drag, you know, I'm really thankful to have that uh, relationship with that person because that's exactly what I needed at that time in my life was to have this person to um, encourage me to like be glamorous and teach me, teach me how to bring it forth, you know. I'd say especially too around, you know, we're about the same age, especially around the 90s. It's a little different now with social media because the world, you don't have to go too far to find people, even if they don't live near you, but that are sort of like you. Mm -hmm. um, but um, back then... I remember never thinking like I grew up like 25 miles from Boston, but it might as well have been 2,500 miles. Like it was like, it didn't feel like I lived anywhere near there. Mm -hmm. And it felt like there was no one there to tap me on the shoulder and go, you know, there's a bigger world out there. I think more so there's people who want to tell you the opposite to go, you can do this to go that so you can go just be like that guy over there. But like there was to have somebody who's showing you that there's a bigger world out there and you can be something different. It's just a very valuable thing to have. Oh, you're right about that. And, and I think you're, and I think that's true. And that's, and that's, it's interesting to hear that from somebody that lives so close to Boston would have a similar experience to somebody, somebody like me who lives in the Midwest, who I consider, you know, Indiana to be hillbilly, like unsophisticated, you know, but to learn that somebody that's out in a, you know, out on the East coast could have a similar experience like that yeah. makes me feel like more universal. Like this type of thing is, is more of a universal concept really, but we got um, some hillbillies out here too. <laughs> Are there hillbillies out there? Well, there's a lot of um. I mean, I think I think Massachusetts, you would think, is like you know, so left turning. They're spinning in circles, but there's so much. There's so many pockets of like you know, Trump country out here a little bit, and you know, New Hampshire is like is you know, not to um you know, offend my uh, all my New Hampshire listeners, but New Hampshire's Hampshire's sort of like North Florida to some degree, but without some of the fun. <laughs> Like, okay, that's that's so funny. I can't wait till my friend from New Hampshire on on Instagram hears this because I was like, wow. "Oh, you're from New Hampshire? How exotic!" I was like, "That that must be so like so sophisticated and interesting." It's like, believe me, it's not. It's like, a lot of I've snowmobile dealerships and places you can buy gravel, like <laughs> and fireworks, like that sort of that's like. Hilarious. Yeah, it's um a lot of vanity plates. I think vanity plates are cheaper up there. Um, that's awesome. We have lots of vanity plates here, and I live right behind, like across my alley over here, is a fireworks store slash Halloween store oh. so it's like yeah just like the floodlights come in through the backyard and stuff like that like we live in like kind of like a poor poor white neighborhood um but it's like it still they will trump up the change to get the vanity plate it will be there you know it will be on the car for sure so yeah um all right so you want to I don't know how long it'll take to get to these questions you want to jump it's in okay. let's, let, yeah let's go for it all right so um all right. So I have 79 questions here. They range all sorts of whatever. Feel free to say pass on anything and we'll just go through them. Um, what's your earliest fashion memory? Earliest fashion memory. Okay. I remember. So this was when I got a pair of Chuck Taylors at a white pair of jeans. And then I think like United Colors of Benetton was popular back then. You remember that? Yes, of course. I remember the ads. Got, 
it was a very masculine looking outfit. And then I had an older sister who was into grunge, right? At that time, she's like Nirvana. But like, I like we did not get along. So I secretly thought she was cool. But like, I still hated her. And like, you know, we had that sibling thing or whatever. So I didn't ever really want to let on that I thought she was cool. But I had this masculine looking outfit that I really wanted to wear. And I thought it was cool. It was like Chuck's white jeans is United Colors of Benetton, kind of like rugby looking shirt or whatever. Yeah. And I remember uh, my friends, like making my friends that were like these cheerleader girls, like making fun of me or whatever about this outfit that I wanted to wear. I remember writing in my diary, like, I really want to wear my outfit, but I'm, my friends are going to make fun of me and stuff. And then my friends found my diary and then <laughs> make fun of me about what's in the diary. And I was just like, this is just terrible. Grass, I, can't spoiled again. An, I can't even write about an outfit without being made fun of. I even wear it, you know? So that was something that I remember. Wow. But now, like, I don't give a fuck and I feel like I can blaze my own trail and, like, set set the, set the trend in this little, like, pocket of people I'm with in Indiana. All right. Um, best album to listen to while you're cleaning the house? Oh, um, I really like the the Strokes um, album uh, called Is This It? Um, I like I can listen to every single track on that album without skipping a track, like every okay. single one. Also, if there's any type of true crime podcast, can listen to it all day long. Oh, I'm, I'm so into true crime. Yeah. Yes. If it's murder, I will do it. I know my family's like this. How is this not affecting your brain? Like listening to all this murder all the time. It's like, I like, love yeah, it. Who said it isn't? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, what's the right amount of yoga to do in a week? I would say you could do yoga. You could do it every single day at a minimum. Uh, you could do it once and do a meditation, but let's say, let's go with like three times a week. How's that sound? That so sounds like, there's about a, good for me. Power in the number of three, right? You could do it three yep. times a week. Yep. Cool. If you could live in any TV show, what would it be? Oh gosh. Let's see. I would live in the golden girls for sure. Oh. No doubt. I, I watched so much Golden Girls as a kid. Like when it goes, when it reruns air now, I remember like every joke and I haven't seen it in like 20 years. It is buried into my brain. Still funny. And it's still funny. And the fashion, Blanche's fashion was always really good. I didn't really like Dorothy's cow necks. They always draped yeah. her in like these long things. Yeah, yeah. She was always kind of dressed like a woman in Star Wars. <laughs> like... Yeah, yeah. You're exactly right. And But I, what I like about that show so much is that they were like best friends. It's like, I want to go live with these people. I had so many shitty friends growing up. It's like, these yeah. ladies are down for each other for real. And they were hilarious. They were always hooking up with guys. They're like yeah. living their best life in Miami with your best friends that's the show i live in hands down right which is funny because it's like now you're like you're gonna be four grandmas like joking about sex they'd be like oh that's no <laughs> one's gonna watch that you know like whatever um <laughs> that show will never go away it will always be around yeah uh what was your first concert for i went to jimmy buffett can you believe that you, uh, that's a jimmy lot of buffett? oh out here jimmy buffett's big that's a lot of people's first mine it's was smashing pumpkins yes and so there's a place in Indiana called it's it's unknown to the like OGs as Deer Creek, right? Deer Creek. It's now like called Verizon Center. Oh, we have we have Great Woods, which where the Jimmy Buffett shows now, and now it's called like the Comcast Center or something. Yeah, yeah. It's like corporates come over, took it over. I went to a Jimmy Buffett concert. It was too cold to be wearing all of the stuff. We had like the grass skirts and stuff like that. And I think I was underage. I was like probably 19 but managed to somehow somehow get hammered at that concert but yeah. the age group for jimmy buffett fans is like 40 50 and above you know that sort of thing so it was interesting that was the absolute first one i ever went to yeah um which cast member of friends do you most relate to uh, i don't relate to any of them i hate that show and if i had an antagonist in a movie it would be jennifer aniston really it's, it's for me courtney cox is the one that bothers me the most on that show like i i just <laughs> rachel i mean um i don't know 
So. I've never, I've, I didn't like that show. And I'll tell you, it's like, you know how the fans of a band can make you hate the band before you even hear the music. Yeah. Cause you're like, you suck. Your taste sucks. All the people that I knew that sucked really bad, love that show. And they loved Dave Matthews band. I mean, no yeah. offense to anybody's out there that like, no, you're talking about a lot of my high school and um, I don't care right. if they're offended. <laughs> <laughs> okay, exactly. And that's how I, that was my high school experience. These people love friends and stuff. It's like, no, I don't trust your tastes. I don't trust that show. Admittedly, I have probably never really watched even a full episode, but right. nobody. About this? Which show. golden girl? Oh, Blanche, hands down. Blanche would be the one. I love her. She, her outfits were great. She was sexy. She was funny. I think Dorothy's the funniest, but I would be Blanche if, or, you know, be best friends with her. I think I would probably be Sophia. I don't really know why, but I feel like <laughs> I'm someone who kind of likes coming in and out of it and like sort of just saying something that's either intelligent or whimsical right. and just drifting along into nonsense. I feel like that's, that's hilarious. Yeah, You have to frame each one of your things of like picture it. Sicily. Well, my favorite meme is um, last time I gave a fuck and it's Sophia going picture at Sicily 19. Yes, that's right. That's a great meme, right? That's See, my Sophia, they, the Golden Girls have made themselves into memes. So, I mean, look at how they will always be relevant, right? It's always going to yeah. be funny. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, what are what are the top three fashion tips for the average person? Okay, so top three fashion tips here, depending on it depends on what you want to do. I have a good fashion tip, though. Here's this is for a busy person that has to make a lot of decisions, right? You can style your own personal uniform, right? Your own personal uniform. So black slacks, black blazer, silk blouse or something like that. So you find a thing and you can make a like a uniform. Like I have every time yeah. I have I wear a one piece jumpsuit, right? This is the thing. This is the one outfit I wear if I ever go out. And I'm out like with friends, which is not very often. If I go to an art thing, I wear the same outfit every time I'm photographed in the same outfit, something that's flattering. It's essentially my going out uniform, right? Yep. That's a fashion tip. Another one, keep it classic. I'm not really into trends, although love and hip hop, you know, out of control, right? That's, I yeah. almost would use the concept of trends to create some wild elevate it into something super like um, conceptual, right? Some sort of fantasy piece. Trendy stuff to me is almost like a level of like immaturity or something. It's just shows like you're still trying to figure out who you are. So mm -hmm. you're sampling trends, you know, but like keep it classic, right? There's classic pieces. You can invest in like one or two really nice things, like a nice blazer, a pair of trousers, something that's flattering, something that's not going to fall apart and keep it classic. And then another thing, you know, just be yourself uh invest in some stretch pants you know i mean if you got some comfort somewhere it's good to be physically comfortable in what you're wearing too right yep you go to like i think that lots of women's professional wear now has a level of stretch to it even men's blazers even a lot of this, guy came yeah. up, this guy came over to sell us sell us some custom blazers the other day and they were super expensive but it had stretch to it right it, it it was almost like he could perform in it but it was like a dress blazer so something that's like physically comfortable because if you're not physically comfortable in what you're wearing you're just gonna be look not confident yeah i'm wearing pants like that now too that look like other khaki material but they're more of a stretch material i'm like where have you I been my whole life yeah, yeah and you look totally relaxed right i mean yeah. how you wouldn't right so yeah. you don't want to be uncomfortable when you're trying to interview somebody yeah. um when is it acceptable to throw a glass of wine on someone well, if somebody snatches your wig off your head, off your head, that's when yeah. somebody snatches your wig. That's you in the constitution, I think. Yeah. That's, and if it's not, it should be, you should write right. your congressman about that. If somebody snatches your wig, you can throw a drink in their fucking face. Sounds good. Um, best song to get the dance floor started. 
Um, I like I Want to Dance with Somebody, Whitney Houston. I think that's a good one. That's also one of my karaoke go-to songs. That was I'll another that question one. that was coming up, so. Yes, right. That's a good one. I like that one. And then I, I also like that song, Everybody, Everybody by Black Box. You know, okay. a song that's yep. like, ow. That one. I love that yes. one. I think Hypnotized by Biggie is one of the songs that oh, always yes. transforms a room whenever yes. that comes on. No, you're right. That that was song. We used to call that song in high school, the getting into trouble song, because we put that song in the tape deck. I drove a Pontiac Grand Prix and then we just go out and, you know, yeah. find some find fuck up stuff or something. Yeah. Um, you kind of answered this before, but can anybody be an artist? Yes, anybody can be an artist. It doesn't it's not always about the pro the product. It's about the process. If it's something that you enjoy doing. Um, that's really what a big part of art therapy is about is the process of the art. It's not necessarily what comes out at the end. Um, you go into something with an expectation, you can be uh, disappointed, right? So yes, I, absolutely. Anybody can be an artist. Um, once you externalize the art from yourself, it's like subjective anyways, about whether it's good or bad or, or whatever, it's up to the interpretation of the viewer, really. So the answer is absolutely yes. Um, where do you want to be in five months? In five months, I'd like to be uh, more physically fit. I would like to be able to do like a pull up or something like that. Pull ups are hard. Something. I know that's what I'm saying. But five. If months you want to get good at pull ups, you have time. to get one of those bands, like one of the plastic bands, and start on those. That's. Okay. I had a friend who went to prison and told me that's that was the advice he gave me. <laughs> I like that. People in prison, they have people in prison know how to optimize their creativity. I yes. want to say that. My friend who's in prison, this will go off the rails for just a second. He sent me a diagram of a guitar that he made. He made the guitar out of uh, Pringles cans were like the, the stem of the guitar. Wow. And then he took a Ritz cracker box and made it as the body of the guitar. He used elongated uh, reinforced trash bags to make the strings. These like hard strings. And then he used like a radio uh, like you know speaker or whatever to like make the amp on it and stuff and he drew me a diagram oh, of the guitar that he made in prison i'm like this is like optimizing your creativity if you could have done this on the outside you might be an entrepreneur right, or something right, right now so that just tells me that i it's, i just whenever i take a vacation like a staycation to work at home it's like by day set i work on art at home by day seven i feel like i'm back to who i really want to be the person who's thinking about art all the time and then to put that person mm -hmm. back in a box is always it always sucks Boo. And uh, what's the weirdest dream that you can remember? Um, okay, I have one time I had a dream inside a dream. That's a weird thing that I have. And it was about a bulldozer. But another dream that I have is like where I'm walking on a beach and the beach is essentially like made out of like peach mashed potatoes. And I keep sinking into the pink, the peach mashed potatoes. And then in the distance, oh, me, have, this like, is important. Is there these peach colored mashed potatoes or peach flavored mashed potatoes? Peach, People are going to want to know peach, that. They're peach colored mashed potatoes. And it's like, I'm sinking into them. And it's kind of like unpleasant. It's not, and then in the distance, there's these peach colored sheep uh, that are in the distance that are kind of the same consistent or same look as the mashed potatoes, but they're sheep. And I'm trying to make it up this hill of this peach mashed potato. Think like the, the color Tawny Sunset. You know, if we had to ah, call it yes. that. Tawny Sunset. Like an antelope fire mist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're walking to the antelope fire mist up. <laughs> up this like a beach made of mashed potatoes or peach color and there's sheep in the distance and then waking up and feeling really frustrated and a little bit icky because i like just had to walk through this like you know yeah 
That's a good it's one. Gossipy, yeah. I woke up screaming for the first time ever about a month ago that I had a dream that I was arguing with someone. I'm not, I don't argue with anybody. I literally woke up yelling. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's a new one for me. Um, that is new. Do you remember what the dream was about? Or is it just I like, do. It was, like, um, it was arguing with family members. <laughs> Ooh, that sounds like it could be a reality. That's uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not fantasy enough to be a dream. It could woke up and be like, did I actually get in a fight with that family member or what happened? Yeah. Um, what uh who was your childhood celebrity crush? I liked Michael Jordan a lot. Um, I think that that back then when I was probably in like third grade, the Chicago Bulls were like really big back then. That was like yeah. when kind of like when hip hop and sports collided and you had a lot of the that sort of culture, like the the basketball style was starting to sink into like the style of mainstream um having like a bull a bull's basketball jacket like the red shiny satin material things like that um I thought that Michael Jordan was and he was just like unstoppable back then he was like in all the things you know that was somebody that I remember being really cool um I feel the same way about Alyssa Milano (laughs) Oh, was Alyssa Milano your crush? Yeah, and I was thinking about her. She did. I remember the poster of her in the jerseys in the. New, I think it's the New Jersey Devils Devils jersey. <laughs> there you go. That's a common one. Alyssa Milano's great. I wonder what ever happened to her. Where she? Where she? She still. Do, she still does stuff. Can we get her on the podcast? You think I would love to. I have, I have a lot yeah, of questions. Definitely. I just watched the movie Double Dragon. If you want to see it, some strange fashion choices, look at Google Alyssa Milano in the movie Double Dragon and just um, be prepared to be amazed. Okay, I like that. I, I will take you up on that for sure. Yeah. Um, what game show would you be the best on? Um, let's see. What game show would I be the best on? Like, uh, maybe the game. Well, I don't know. I'd like to be on Price is Right. I think that would be pretty fun. Um, I always like that mountain climber game. Yes, like, that's the best game. A friend of mine texted yeah. me recently, what's the best game on, on Price is Right? I'm like, obviously the mountain climber and then Plinko. Yeah. The yeah, Plinko. That's right. Plinko is just like the game of chance. Like you think you have a strategy with that one, you know. But that yeah. game is like off the hook. I mean, when at the end when you can get the double showcase SmackDown or whatever, and you win like the car, the Ford Escort, and the RV, like that to me is like super wild. I don't know if I would be good at the games, but I would be the most excited to be there because to me that game is like walking into a into like a slot machine. It's like bright, flashy. There's prizes. There's ladies there's all kinds of stuff my friend's grandparents were on the prices right when we were in high school and it happened to air on a day there was a snow day and because um, we didn't have dvrs back then so that's the only way we would have seen it and bob barker was like so do you watch this all the time up in lebanon new hampshire and my friend's grandfather's like not really bob and bob looked like he was going to beat him with his tiny microphone uh, with a tiny microphone yes yeah. have you ever seen the documentary of the guy is called like the perfect yes. kid or whatever have you seen yes. that one i love that the guy he recorded all of the shows. He had all of the prices in like an old school, like log, like analog log. Yeah. And then he created like a prices right game. And then he's on the show. And I don't, I don't think that he won, but he helped somebody else win or something like yeah. that. There's another one about the show Press Your Luck that someone did something similar. The, the show with the whammy, and it's it's a really fascinating documentary. They kept he was able show. to keep the game going forever because he knew how to game it. So. I've seen that. I've seen that, right? Because he, yeah. he picked up on the pattern of how the thing went around, the no yep. whammy stop thing. Okay. Yep. That's funny. Uh, favorite style of dance? Favorite style of dance? 
Well, I really like the Kid and Play dance, the Kid and Play dance okay. house party. I almost bought the Kid and Play on vinyl yesterday, and I kept going to stores, and I kept seeing the price drop at each store, and I was like, "Is no one else want this Kid and Play album?" And I did eventually right. didn't buy it because there I can get it cheaper. But I that I love Kid and Play. Yeah, Kid and Play. What gives the high and tight or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The high top fade. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I know how to do that dance. That dance that again was another popular thing back when I was in my Michael Jordan phase where I liked him. Kid and play was super cool. Um, and yeah, that would probably be my favorite dance. Sweet. Um, do you have any hidden talents? It, I don't usually keep my talents very hidden, honestly. I like yeah, to a... I like to talk about them and showcase them as much as I possibly can. Um, I do play the ukulele. Oh. That's something that's something I'm pretty good Impressive. at. And I found this that when I, I started playing the ukulele, when I stopped drinking and using drugs, I needed something to like replace my time. And so when this is when yeah. I was at the rehab facility, I told you about, I lived there for like two years, right? And so my sister sent me a ukulele. I started watching YouTube. Um, and it, all pop songs are really like constructed of like the same four chords or something. Yeah. Like once you learn one, one pop song, you could learn any pop song. And so I learned how to play it like anything like Lady Gaga to like Journey, all these different songs on ukulele. And then I started writing uh, parody music to those songs. That's so awesome. yeah, wow, the funniest cool. thing, like the best way I know to like catharsize my like negative emotions, especially people get on my nerves is to write a parody song about how they suck. And then everybody laughs. And then it makes me feel a lot better. Are you um, one of those people who just walks around the house just singing songs that you made up? Totally, all the time. Me yeah, too. all the time. Yeah. About our pets, about my husband, about my kid, all kinds of, anytime there's a song. Everybody also has like a nickname where their name's been reduced. Something's been derived from the original name and now yeah. they have weird, obscure names. So if I can tell you my husband's nickname, this is really weird. His his nickname is Bluestall. Okay, this is really weird. But his name <laughs> is Ryan. And here's how it went. It went from Ryan to Rybert to Rybertopia, to Rybaloo, to Rybalustamante, to Rybluestal, then to Bluestal. And where and it can go anywhere from here. <laughs> it can get smaller, it can get bigger. It's the weirdest, the weirdest thing. And then the thing is he calls himself Bluestal now. He calls himself that. So it's this weird, people are like, why do you call your husband Bluestal? And I explain it and they're like, it doesn't make any sense. It just, but it, it was very organic the way that it happened. That's funny. Right. Yeah. Um, what was your first tattoo? Was my first tattoo. The first tattoo I got was a Grateful Dead bear when I was 14 years old. So the 14, shop 14. Yeah. So, the so shop you would have been, that's like mid nineties. You couldn't even legally yeah. get a tattoo in Massachusetts, uh, no matter what age you're at until about the year 2000. So that's yeah. impressive. So I'll tell you how it happened. So the shop teacher at Terre Haute South, his, his son, his name was Billy Joe Henry. Billy Joe Henry dropped out of school and became a tattoo artist when he was probably underage. He probably wasn't even old enough to be given. He wasn't even 18, I don't think. He dropped out of school. And everybody knew that you could go to Billy Joe Henry's and get a tattoo from him uh, for like in exchange for whatever. I think I gave him a Zippo lighter and a box of latex gloves. And he did a Grateful Dead bear on my low back, which is still there. It looks horrible now. And I didn't even- Did it look good then? No, it didn't look good then either. I, I couldn't see it. It was on my like it's on my like low back, like down here. I couldn't see it. But then the next day, I was like, that didn't even hurt. I went back and got another one on my shoulder. It was just flash. It was a bear with a wizard hat and like stars around it or whatever. Yeah. And that was when I was 14 years old. And I thought I was super hardcore because I was the only teenager that had tattoos at my school. Well, I was like 37 when I got my first tattoo. That's awesome. Hey, I waited a long time. Right. Yeah. Now now I keep getting more. Um 
All right. What which is the worst trait in a romantic partner? Someone who claps when the plane lands or someone who always puts a TV remote right in front of the TV so you have to get up to get it once you've already sat down? Claps when a plane lands? What is that about? What is that? What does that mean? There are some people who when the plane lands, they start clapping as if oh, I don't know. Oh, like on the plane. So it's not like you see oh, a plane yeah, yeah. and they're like, okay, so I would I mean like probably the remote thing, you know what I mean? Like I don't want to yeah. I don't want to have to get up, you know, I really don't. Once I'm seated, I don't want to have to get up for anything, but that's why I have a child. I'm like, Hey, <laughs> yeah, my cats don't haven't quite figured that out up. yet. Yes. All right. What's the first R rated movie you've ever seen? You ever saw basic, basic instinct. I mean, I probably wow. saw one before that, but basic instinct. I remember. So there was a super America, which is a gas station down the street from my house. And I remember being in like, fifth grade walking down to the supermarket with my best friend and renting basic instinct at the gas station watching it at home being like what in the world is happening here that movie guy yeah, like that movie like sent me into a tailspin of like probably bad behaviors for the next 10 years to come that um the, uh, the ghetto boys album um we can't be stopped did that to me around the same point in my life where i was just yeah. like this is too adult for me right now yeah right exactly that's why yeah. i was like you know i have a kid now i want to make sure he's not he's not exposed to really adult concepts like that. Cause I was really kind of like left unsupervised a lot. Like now when I think about like how, like I just had free room out on my bike, like doing all kinds of just out there, you know, yeah. like as a very young person, my kid is in sixth grade now and I would not let him do be, have that much freedom, you know, not that I want to repress him at all, but I just yeah, don't feel like it's safe for him to be out there. You know? Yeah. Um, I think mine was the blues brothers. I think that was the first regular movie I ever saw. Okay. Pretty, pretty tame. Uh, what's something yeah. that is really popular that you don't get at all? Which you already said friends, but is there anything else like that? Yeah, there is. There's stuff. I think like current day, some current day hip hop. I don't like a whole lot kind of stuff with auto tune, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. I'm not a big, not a big fan. I don't really get that very much. Uh, it doesn't. Like it, rap without drums doesn't really make a ton of sense to me, but there's a lot of that going mm -hmm. on or like. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really, I'm not a big fan of that. I'm also not a big fan of like the trend of like mom jeans and like big dirty white sneakers with like big glasses and stuff. Not really a big fan of that. Yeah. a whole lot um, i saw a lot of mom jeans on a lot of because i live in like a college town area i live like mm -hmm. right near umass amherst and like i was down in northampton yesterday and there was i was in a coffee shop and there was a lot of young women there that looked like the early 20s they had jeans that looked like they were from 1991 like they look like she, yeah. they belonged in a ford tourist wagon or Mercury yes State exactly i'm like why are you doing that to yourself you know it, I, I get it it's a trend i mean i'm okay with like a high-waisted garment like high-waisted trousers i like that i think that looks elegant and things like that but like the denim that comes up like here's the thing yeah. i don't wear jeans i don't own anything that's denim unless it's a jumpsuit right i think I, I might have a denim hat but like i don't wear jeans at all that's just not how i like to to yeah. use denim so i'm not really into that right uh what's something that you know is bad but you still like mr fog mr frog mr fog and coke zero Ah. I drink like a thousand Coke Zeros a day. And since I don't drink, I haven't drank in over two years. I don't use drugs Thank or take you. prescriptions or anything like that. Uh, but I used to party a lot. And so Mr. Fog was like the answer to me, I guess. So what is it? Never, it's a vape. It's like, oh, a, okay. It's like a nicotine like a, vape. Mm -hmm. oh, okay I, I haven't smoked i haven't had nicotine in about 15 or 16 years but i don't know i feel like that would probably just send me i smoked a cigar like six years ago and like either mm -hmm. puked or almost puked so my yeah, nicotine it, it, it like tastes like fruit but you know what the worst part you know this this vape is called i don't know if you can read that or not it's called max bro 
no, it's called assault. This is the flavor. Oh. This is what assault tastes like. Assault, like sexual assault. It's like oh, that's what the great. flavor is. Assault. Yeah, exactly. So this is the only kind that I like though, but I find myself doing this stuff way too much. Yeah. 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 Um I think I sort of might have already asked one, but what song would pull you back on the dance floor if it came on while you're heading for the door? Oh, okay. So well. What song would play? I I do like hypnotize like we talked about before, but you know, if you give like one of those good things where like like the Cupid Shuffle or some stuff like that, like just go ahead and get those that's a good party starting song is get the Cupid Shuffle on. I like that one. But also the black box, everybody, everybody, that's a good one. Or any song by RuPaul, Cover Girl or uh You Better Work, those would all be good ones to get me back on the dance floor. Um, is Grease too a good movie? I don't like Grease 2. My sister likes Grease 2. I don't like Grease 2 because Grease 1 is something that I grew up on. Grease 1 is something. Also, I never realized how vulgar that movie is. It's rated G, but they say yeah. all kinds of nasty stuff in those songs. All kinds of stuff. Oh, yeah. It, 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 Bad News I Bears, they have a little kid saying the N-word, and that's rated like G or PG. No, see, that's insane. So yeah, they say all kinds of graphic sexual stuff in those songs. I just watched it again as an adult on vacation with my family. But no, I didn't think Grease 2 was a good movie. Sorry, sis. I don't like it. I like Michelle Pfeiffer, but I don't like Grease 2. I, see, I've never seen Grease and I love Grease 2. Um, but it, really? Grease 2 is a wild movie. It's 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 it, pretty wild. Yeah. The well, song they fun. sing, the, the sex song they sing in the science classroom is just... Oh man, it's 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 like something. That, like that one, yeah. See, well, yeah. there's well, Grease One has all kinds of sex songs that are like related to. They use a lot of metaphor and like the with the car and the grease and the yeah. speed and the stuff like that. And plus, there's like this dance contest scene where there's this lady named uh like I don't, she's like the bad girl from the bad high school, and she comes and steals Danny Zuko away, and they do this, this like dirty dancing that's like insanity, and I just love it. Yeah, it's funny how in Greece, Greece one I know ends with the car flying off in the sky, but nobody mentions that in Greece two. They're like, hey, remember that car flew off here? Yeah, whatever happened? Yeah. Whatever happened to Travolta? Go exactly yeah. right. Yeah, um, so that's what I'm saying. Greece two, it leaves too many unanswered questions for me. You, yeah. you might talk. You might have changed my mind. All right. Um, what was your strangest job? Strange. Okay, this is interesting. So I had, there was a job when I was. Um, I had graduated from undergraduate and during that time when I was an undergraduate, I worked as like a model for like Stoli vodka or like Budweiser, you know, we'd go around and do all these promotions, Jameson whiskey and stuff. Right. So I was connected to this modeling agency and there was a girl that worked there too. And she's like, Hey, I have some of these guy friends are starting this business called Miss Pivot. And I was like, okay, Miss Pivot, what's that all about? And they, these guys were total, they described themselves as like total nerds who could never get a date, but they had this theory and they had done this research that if a nerdy guy goes out with a good looking woman, that other women will be interested in him because they're like, oh, well, look at that hot girls with that guy. He must have something special, right? Yeah. So this business was called Miss Pivot, where you are a professional wingman. You go out with the guy, you make the guy look cool, you you fawn on him, you talk to other girls about how cool and interesting he is, and they in turn say, well, this girl's into this guy, so he must have something special, right? So I worked for that for them for a little bit, um, but they they were when I look back at it now, these guys like were so abusive to girls they like called a whore they called astrology like chick crack and like like did all these things that like were stereotypical to like women that they think women right. would like and stuff. like maybe they should so, be working on themselves instead of working on fooling other people 
that's exactly right and the interview was like this so they interviewed me at like a restaurant or whatever and like at the end of the interview like these two other guys came like ambushed and they were like we were listening the whole time to like see if you're gonna be a good pivot girl or whatever and I was just like this is fucked up but like I really need a job right now yeah. and if you're gonna pay me $20 an hour and it's like 2007 I'll do it if know? I know men I'm sure a lot of them just hit on you <laughs> yeah they, yeah they did and they, these guys they were they were nerves they were like you know they but they weren't that nice like that was their whole right. thing was like you got to be confident they had this thing this is really funny they had this thing where they're like you want to wear a necklace with like a big pendant it's called peacocking it makes you interesting right then you want to learn everything you can about astrology because it's chick crack girls love that stuff i was just like oh my god like yeah thinking back about it now it's totally cringe okay you had a lot of good answers to these questions it was good because yeah. i had a lot more um <laughs> a lot of fucked up stuff like just i have a really do have interesting things that's why i like this form of questions um what are you most looking forward to for the remainder of 2023 getting to do a pull-up man i'm telling you you cut you check back with me in five months i'm going to be doing a pull-up so all right, right? i got I'm a pull-up bar in my basement so maybe you'll inspire me to try to do get on you? Too. Yeah, yeah. Do i've never done more than like three at a time and i probably couldn't even do one right now they're really how hard do, how many can you do can you oh do the most right i've probably ever done at a time is like three or four but like now i probably could maybe do one i don't know i'm more of the elliptical running biking type thing but i gotta start doing more i love seeing dudes on ellipticals because it's like i just like that i feel like you've, you've reached a level of confidence to be to be on elliptical you know I don't oh i've been doing it for years I, I have i have little shame i don't i don't give a fuck yeah <laughs> like, get, get after it that's right no so you see, if, once you see my calves you'll know why i'm on the elliptical it's like you know the, the work the yes. work shows <laughs> they're like christmas hams that's right yeah. i love that um have you ever had a crush on a cartoon character Oh, I absolutely have a uh, Cowboy Bebop, right? Really? So Cowboy Bebop, yeah. Uh, one of the guys from Cowboy Bebop, and I remember talking about this with a boyfriend at the time, and I was like, I'm retract, I'm like sexually attracted to this cartoon character, and he said, Well, I think that's just as realistic as being sexually attracted to a movie star. You're never going to meet either one of them. So, you know, I was like, Well, there, there you go. It makes sense. Also, the Fox version of Robin Hood. Oh, a lot of people have said that. Yes, I've heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. Some, I mean, like, I guess Fox already has the, the natural being beguiled by a fox or whatever, but he was quite charming in the yeah. British accent. Plus, he was like a rogue given to the poor, you know. Well, I think he was kind of based on Errol Flynn, too. I think he was sort of like the, the personality style was aped off somebody who was already sort of a sex symbol. So I think they kind of they kind of started there a little bit. Yeah, well, but, that um, nailed it, you know. Yeah. I think for me, maybe Judy Jetson. I think I had a crush on her when I was a kid. Yeah, Judy Jetson was good. I also like the fashion in the Jetsons too. Me too. Because it's, it's super, super kooky and stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, what's something you learned about yourself during the pandemic? Um, that's a good one. Um, I was still pretty creative during the pandemic time, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but I also learned that I'm not that good at following rules. And like, don't take things that seriously that maybe I should, you know, like I was not, I was not one that was going to be with a mask. I didn't want to go get vaccinated. I didn't really, wasn't taking it that seriously, um, which is interesting because then I ended up getting into a project with one of the local fashion, where there's actually a fashion magazine in this town, um, like a, a big, like it's a global publication, but they ended up doing, having to do a gown making project. Um, where we had to make hospital gowns for people because the hospitals were running out of the actual gowns. Like everybody's making masks, yeah. right? But this place, I worked on this project where we were making gowns and there's a, 
a car factory here because the Indy 500 is here, right? Yep. So there's something called the Delara Car Factory where they have a laser cutter that cuts precision, lots of material at once. And so this car factory got in on this project when I'm making hospital gowns, started taking it more seriously because you could really see the impact. But like, I learned that um, about myself that like, if everybody else is doing something, I feel skeptical about it. You know, I guess I've already kind of known that about myself, but it's like, if everybody else is saying it, like, I want to think critically and be skeptical about it and right. be like, I don't necessarily believe you, but it also was forced into, you know, having to comply with stuff or you can't participate essentially. So I just right. you kind of fell in line. Yeah. Um, best thing for visitors to Indianapolis to see. Oh, the, it's got to be the art scene. I mean, like, you know, I don't know because the art scene everywhere else is really cool. It's kind of still developing here. But I mean, there's, you know, there's things for people to see here um, in Indianapolis in particular. I don't know. I mean, people come for like the Indy 500. I've never even been to that before. And I don't really think it's that great of a thing to see. Um, a lot of pollution and a lot of noise. Yeah, yeah that sort of thing. Um, a lot of really intoxicated people, stuff like that. I'll tell you one thing that's interesting about Indiana, though. Indiana has more greenway trails, which I mean by that, I mean bike paths than any other state in the nation. Wow, that's pretty cool. So the bike paths go from the north of the state all the way down to Kentucky, all the way across from Ohio to Illinois. You can take bike paths anywhere. And there are people that have come to live here that are avid cyclists. Um, and that's really their only form of, you know, by choice, their only form of transportation is to move to Indiana because of the Greenway Trail. So I think that's something that is special and that's worth seeing because the bike trails go through um, really interesting parts of Indiana. Very cool. Um, which love and hip hop Atlanta character would you most like to be stuck in an elevator with for six hours? Oh, I don't know if I want to be stuck with any of them. Well, yeah, it's, you have to. <laughs> okay. All right. So it's got to be Young Jock because he's funny. Young Jock is on Love and Hip Hop Atlanta. He also has a morning radio show every morning. He comes on. He's always on Instagram Live. He's hilarious, right? He's yeah. the funny and I know who he one. is. Yeah. You, you, know, you know who Young Jock is? Yeah, he's yeah. also a rapper too, right? Yeah, that's where I know him from. So Young Young Jock would be the one for sure. Okay. Um, Twin Peaks or X-Files? Uh, I've never seen either one of them. Oh, Twin Peaks. I'm sorry. It's all right. I've only seen Twin Peaks. I've never really seen X-Files. So um, what's something unexpected that you learned from conducting art therapy? Um, something unexpected that I learned from conducting art therapy. Well, I mean, it's so much about like adapting and improvising. Like I can roll in with a lesson plan, like laid out, like, here's what we're going to do. Right. But anytime you go in with something rigid or something that you think is going to go planned, it, it goes off the rails. Right. Mm -hmm. So just that, just kind of come in with like a loose idea of like, here's like a couple parameters, but let's just roll with it and see, and see where it goes. Right. That yep. sort of thing. So just really to, to have to be adaptable as possible. What's a moment in the life when you felt your hard work pay off? Um, moment. Oh yeah. Well, I just passed my licensing exam for this, like a, to be a, to be a uh, licensed mental health counselor, you have to pass a licensing exam. It's kind of been looming over my head. You can work as a therapist without it. You can underneath someone else's license. Right. Um, that was a big part of it. And then graduating from graduate school was a big part. Cause that was like a big life change up. Cause I had already had a career in drug development. I had a husband and a child. And like that put a lot of burden on my family was like, okay, I'm going to stop working now. It's going to come to like a single income household essentially. Right. And I'm going to like pursue this whim of like being an art therapist. And so that created a lot of pressure on my family. And so 
finally, and then the pandemic hit right when I was it, right when graduate school was coming to an end. And so getting my clinical hours was hard. Even finishing my thesis was hard. Um, there were just obstacles about because you couldn't go to school and things right. like that. You couldn't be on, on campus. So all that stuff, um, that those were major things. But this passing this exam was like a really big deal for me. So that, then I won't have to fuck with that stuff anymore. Congratulations. Um, when it's eventually time for us all to abandon this country, where would you like to escape to? Uh, it's got to be like Norway, Finland, probably Finland. Yeah, My right. handle on Instagram is Helsinki, the capital of Finland, because I really appreciate Finnish culture. think that it's, uh, you know, it's kind of a more socialist driven country. It's a very safe country. I mean, it's cold, but they have this uh, philosophy of it's called Sisu. S-I-S-U, and it's about just having the um, personality trait of having grit, essentially, having like resilience. Mm -hmm. And like their whole philosophy of living is like about self-care, uh, taking care of yourself, being in nature, being with family, embracing silence, all of those things that kind of American culture is not really right. like. That would be the place I would go. That sounds pretty wonderful. Are you okay to keep mm -hmm. going with these questions? Yeah, let's keep going. All right. What's the oldest piece of clothing in your closet? Oh. Yeah. The, well, I was in the I was in the Air Force. I still have Air Force uniforms from when I was 18, 19 years old. Wow. So yeah, I've got those. Those are probably the oldest. They don't they don't fit anymore, but those are probably the oldest things that I have. Also, maybe some winter coats. I think once you get I get a good winter coat, I really get like a good one, a really unique one and keep it forever. I still have the, the, the most puffiest gap winter coats that I got freshman year of college. Back when it was like the thing was to wear like the smallest t-shirt possible with the puffiest jacket. Like that was like the hip hop yeah. at the time. It's, yeah, like, it's that's still right. something I like that I love. Do you still wear that coat now? I, I have a more modern version, but I still bust it out sometimes. I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. So um, what do you remember from your high school prom? So this is really funny. So I went to an alternative school. Okay. I went to a Washington, Booker T. Washington alternative school for girls. And so there was, uh, it was a school where the when if you got pregnant in high school you went there or if you got expelled in high school you went there right so there was probably 50 kids at the whole school all girls except for three guys and the three guys that went there you better believe they were really messed up people yeah, they, right? they probably didn't get pregnant <laughs> no no they didn't get pregnant one of them had a kid though and like had custody of the kid like it's just a wild experience um it, it's totally wild 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 experience going to that school I thought I was like hard until I went there and these are like the real hardcore people. So it's all girls. So we didn't have any guys really to go to a prom, but we had our first prom. This question's about prom, right? Is, yeah. is that okay? Yeah, prom so the alternative school, they didn't have a prom, but we decided this year we wanted to have one. So we raised money and stuff and people are like, oh, we'll give the bad girls a prom or whatever. So we had to figure out like how to get dates and things like that. And I ended up going to the prom with one of the three guys' brothers who because they not the three the three guys were yeah. already taken or whatever so i went with one of their brothers and he picked me up in a monster truck with like super swamper tires and he had a dip of chewing tobacco in his mouth and stuff and i wore like 12 inch gold stripper heels that i got from like spencer gifts or like wow you know something like that whatever but i mean it was just the wildest the wildest thing it was so ratchet because we just it wasn't like a regular school it was this alternative school yeah. that was um just super wild that sounds like the best episode of freaks and geeks that that never got made yeah no, it, was, it, was, it was really cool and this in the second year the same that we had ended up having a junior and then senior prom i wonder if that school is still having proms honestly but 
That was that. I remember when I went to that school, they let us go smoke on our lunch break across the school at the at the homeless shelter. They let us smoke like at school and stuff. And I remember we're, stand, <laughs> we're standing out there. This girl's smoking a cigarette. She's got her baby in her arm like this. And she said, bitch, don't say anything to me. I'll throw this baby at you. Like that, That's God. like the, the, the worst threat. Like it was just that was like how it was going to that school all the time. And it was just like chaos. So it's like, like I think like when I'm around that stuff, like you described getting really nervous. Yeah. That sort of thing, it doesn't really bother me because it's like that was like in my developmental years was entrenched and shit like that, like crazy love and hip hop caliber. Yeah. Throwing drinks, throwing drinks, throwing babies in people's faces. Uh, what's your favorite John Waters movie? Oh, <laughs> uh, I really like Pecker a lot. Yeah, I, that's my favorite too. I love that my favorite scene is shopping for others when they put the hilarious they put the like preparation H into the guy's cart he's like there's nothing wrong with my butt and then they put that like giant sexual like gourd in somebody's cart and that lady's just holding it and like screaming because it's like this big phallic thing or whatever it's insane yeah um what fashion trend do you think should come back even though I said you know you just said you're not really into trends but what's a past trend that you think still has some value um, I don't know. I, Cause I don't really, you know, I I'm really into like mid-century looking clothing. I like clothes. I like clothes that look like they're from the seventies. I like yeah, stuff. Okay. I kind of like structured, structured looking garments. I like that, like material that, uh, you know, polyester's kind of come a long way. People used to sleep on polyester all the time by that. I mean, they used to not like it. Um, but you know, some more structured looking things, not necessarily shoulder pads, but stuff that, uh, sturdier materials so kind of maybe mid-century stuff i guess yeah um what's a book that you wish you could read again for the first time i like the book called um it's called lamb by christopher moore have you ever heard of him no i haven't so this is christopher moore lamb the gospel according to biff christ childhood pal so it's essentially it's a lot to unpack there yeah, it's a comedy book about, you know, how in the Bible, there the chapters of Jesus's life between the age of 13 and 30 are missing. Yeah. So they, they're saying there's a 13th apostle named Biff, who is like Jesus's really funny friend, and they travel all around, and they explore all the other world cultures, right? They're all, all the other world religions, like Buddhism, Confucius, yeah. uh, Hinduism, they go around and they have all these funny, hilarious experiences and stuff. And it's, the story is told from the perspective of Biff. And it ends up, you know, with, with how the story of Jesus ends up, you know, it ends up with Jesus dying, also Biff dies and stuff, but it's actually really hilarious. It's right here. I actually should read it. But Christopher Moore is a hilarious writer. He lives in Hawaii. Um, this is a picture of him on the back. See, he's like, oh, my God, he's in the ball. Pit. <laughs> yeah. A lot of bacteria yeah. in those ball pits. <laughs> yeah. So you can imagine it's a pretty, pretty funny thing for sure. That's awesome. It's funny. The 80s, 80s television and movies made me believe I was going to grow up to meet a lot of Biffs and a lot of like Jeeves. And I haven't met like any of them. No, no I've never met a Biff ever because Biff's name, it was the bad guy from like Back from to the Future. Back to the Future. Yeah. Biff, yeah. right? No, um, I don't think I've never met a Biff by name, but I've met a Biff by personality. By choice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah I've met, yeah, some, I've met some pretty Biffy people in my day. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, what's a common misconception about yoga? Oh, I, I think one thing that I've seen common misconception is that is that yoga people, yoga teachers are like 
granola, they have a totally holistic lifestyle, that they are flaky or that they are metaphysical or yeah. thing, you know, things like that. I think that could be a misperception that that's like your identity, that is being a yoga teacher, that you're like, that's your whole deal, right? That's your whole, because it, it is a holistic um, practice, right? Where it's like mind, body, spirit, but like, that's just like one part of like who I am and what I do. You know, I believe in yoga because it strengthens communities. It, it, um, you know, keeps you connected to people that, that take care of themselves. It does do all of these wonderful things for mind, body, spirit. But I think misconception is that uh, people are, are kind of like, they, they call it woo woo. Yeah. And some of like that they're like really like a like spiritual kind of like flakiness or something like that, or kind of kooky. But I don't, I have not, I've not seen that with myself. And I don't really see that with a lot of others either. It's funny because I've done a lot of yoga in my day. For me, yoga is really practical. Like it's mm-hmm. something you can do once you sort of like, you know, go on to classes and learn a little bit. You can do it anytime. You don't really need anything except for a mat. It builds right. strength without um really like where you can ease into things. Like it's a very practical practice that serves many purposes. And yeah, so it absolutely. is kind of it's funny like, that it's it has like that it. It's like you can do it. Like you're like, you don't need weights. You don't need anything like that. You can do it anywhere. I mean, some salutations, like when you're rising, you know, doing the, the runner's lunge and things like that, that was modeled after, um, in people in India watching British soldiers doing their calisthenics in the morning that's that's where they learned those and then everything else all the other postures are modeled and named after it, movements of animal things that happen in nature right yeah. and it is practical and it's something that covers all of the pillars of health like balance strength cardio flexibility all of the things that you could get you don't get from like weightlifting or just running it gives you everything all in one yep yep um uh you already mentioned this but what's your go-to karaoke song uh I'll throw out that I think mine is Ice Ice Baby or the Humpty Dance because I don't really have a singing voice. But yeah, I know, I know, I do a lot of rap too. That's right because it's not it's not about talent. It's about having the balls and having the style to get up there and do it. I do a lot of rap too. I do a hip hop ray by Naughty by Nature. Oh, Naughty is, by Nature is the most underrated hip hop. I love Naughty. Yeah, by no, for sure. Naughty by Nature is great. OPP, Stretch. all of those. Yes. Mm-hmm. No, I do hip hop ray. That one is like. That one is like a banger. When I do, last time I did that one, that was like the whole place went nuts. Like yeah. it was insane. That one was awesome. I used to, so when I first start stopped drinking years ago, I used to go to this Sunday evening karaoke night because it was a karaoke competition. And if you won, you got 50 bucks. And then if you won, you got to be advanced to the next round where you could win a thousand dollars, right? And it was like this ongoing thing. There was this circuit of karaoke people. It was really fun. It was at a bar, but I wasn't that's drinking awesome. and it gave me something to do. Right. Yeah. And it was really interesting. And so that's how I met my son's father. He was a celebrity guest judge at this karaoke contest. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I sang the song, give it away by the red hot chili peppers. And I changed the lyrics a little bit to be kind of like graphic. And I sang it like directly to him on the microphone <laughs> and like look him right in the eye. And then we have a kid like nine months later. It wasn't Anthony Kiedis, was it? <laughs> no, no. When I say celebrity, I'm using that term very loosely. He was like in a band and was able to judge the contest. That's so. awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, would you rather be an hour early for every flight you take and never miss a flight, or would you rather get there five minutes before boarding ends but miss one in every five flights? Oh no, hour early for sure. With a flight, I mean that's like serious. Like I'm usually very early. I'm very punctual. I feel like being punctual is something that's easy to do. Me too. And I think it's like you're being considerate with someone else's time. I think is what yeah. If you're chronically late, you don't give a fuck, man, or you just don't have your shit together. You know, you're like right. frazzled. You're like sleeping in too much. I just feel like that being on time like 
just showing up on time is one of the easiest things to do. Getting like, let's say, let's say it's to work, having to go to your job and perform. Maybe that's a little bit more challenging. If you do one thing right that day, show up on time. That's easy right. thing to do. Yep. Um, do you think it's important for people to feel cool? I mean, yeah, by cool, cool is like, uh, you know, kind of like loose word or whatever, like the, to feel hip. I mean, no. Do I think that it's important for people to feel included? Yes. You know, I think it's if people important for people to feel like they're part of something or, you know, like, is it important to some people to feel like they're cooler than others? I don't think that's important. You know, that's, right. I feel like a lot of people want that and feel that they feel a sense of I'm special or I'm better than other people. And that's fine. You know, that's, you know, some people, they feel that way, but um, I think maybe not so much the word cool, but I definitely think it's, Oh, I want people to feel okay. Like they're yeah. accepted, you know? I think it's, I, I asked the question cause I think it's, I think it's good for people at least one point in their life to know what it's like to actually have that feeling. Cause I think it's, it's cause it, it's like, it's like being up on skiing where it doesn't last for very long. So I think it's, it's a nice mm -hmm. feeling when you have it, I guess. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. It would be nice to be like, yeah, I, what, at that point in time, that moment in my life, I knew I was right. like a cool guy. Being like, addicted to that thought is not a, not a good thing. It, they're trying, right, like, trying true. to be cool is the least cool thing. So, and I, uh, right. And if you have to say you're cool, you're probably not cool, you know? Right. Yeah. Have you ever had a lucid dream? No, but I've experienced sleep paralysis before you ever experienced I that actually before. was, that was gonna. I almost asked that instead. I have, I, I talked about that in another episode. I've had a couple of lucid dreams and I had sleep paralysis once. It's pretty wild. Four or five feeling. I remember I had an apartment where um, it was like a, a, a Victorian house renovated into apartments. And so it had really tall ceilings, but, but where I slept was a loft. So it's just enough room to sit up. You couldn't stand, mm -hmm. uh, sleeping there, waking up, being in experiencing sleep paralysis, seeing the clock, seeing the things around me, wanting to move, feeling like the ceiling caving in on me, but I was, I could not move. I was totally awake, but, uh, my body was still asleep and that was wild feeling. terrifying. It was wild. And I started researching it and reading about it and things like that i didn't find much that was um helpful at that point in time but in that in fair i was like in deep in the throes of addiction at that point in time so i was not sleeping a lot i'd be stay awake for like five days and then sleep for like five days you know that sort yeah. of thing i would say too i had that one experience i had it was at a time where i was probably doing more than i should have too so i think mm -hmm. um yeah and i think too the lucid dreaming for me was the opposite is when i started you know going stop doing stuff that i shouldn't have then my dreams came back hardcore and then that's when i started having mm -hmm. some of those but Right. Um, right. What, what old TV show or movie would you like to see brought back? What old TV show or movie would I like to see brought back? Well, I mean, we talked about Golden Girls, but it's not going anywhere. You know, that's for sure. Um, if I would say I'd want something to be brought back, I would want to totally redo Game of Thrones season eight because it was yeah. horrible they did every woman dirty in that brawn the broken can suck it that was the dumbest decision ever i mean he was a fucking potato on wheels he didn't yeah. do anything he sucked he was horrible and then to stab daenerys stormborn and have her her dragon fly her off into the sunset was like raw i was robbed i still yeah. feel robbed i just watched that all those seasons i just finished it like a couple days ago horrifying um what's something that um you would like to tell younger you um well, I'd like to say, don't do drugs, don't drink, don't do that. Um, I'd like to, there's a lot of times where I used to like lay awake, like before I'm where I'm at now and feel like if I would have only done these things different, if I've only would have like not squandered that opportunity, things would be different. But right now in my life, I feel like I am, 
exactly like have everything that I ever wanted. You know, like I have a, a marriage of a child, I have a job that I really like. I do or I have cool friends and stuff. And if anything would have changed, I w- it, it wouldn't be where I am today. I know it sounds kind of like a cliche type of thing, but yeah. I actually can say those thoughts of laying awake at nighttime and thinking, God, I wish I would have done this differently. Right. Um, I don't have those anymore. What's something that you hope future you doesn't forget about the current you? future me doesn't forget about okay so future me i don't want to forget about my physical health the importance of that i don't like right now we're doing we're doing this like six week challenge where we like have to eat healthy and do like exercises and i feel so much better i don't want my future self to get busy or to get lazy or to get distracted and start putting that on the back burner because i did that during the pandemic i did that in graduate school and just kind of like went downhill and just i don't like being tired and i don't like being achy you know, and I'm not going to chalk that up to like, oh, you're just getting older. Like, no, no dude, right. I see people in the yoga community that are like killing it and they're like 70. So yeah. uh, would you be the good cop or the bad cop? I'd be the good cop. I always am with my clients. I'm always the Me one too. that's like, that's always, you know, I bound boundaries, my professional boundaries with people are some clinicians would probably say are too loose or too weak or whatever. Like I'd come out of my own pocket. I'd come meet you in the middle of the night. I would do things like that. So it definitely would be the good cop, you know, because I mean, fuck cops anyway. So, you know, yeah. ACAB, uh, what is your ideal song for the fashion runway? Oh, uh, RuPaul songs for sure. Cover girl. All those songs are like runway. They're all, they're all inspired by the runway and not just by like the runway, but like the fiercest, baddest Queens on the runway, you know, that sort of thing. Like people that are coming out, not just to like look dead eyed and be like a walking hanger. They're coming out for ladies. They're ready to like turn it out. They're wearing something that is like high concept, you know, something that is super glam, those sorts of things, anything from like the Glamazon album, anything from RuPaul really you could put uh, would be as a great runway song. All right. What was your first album? First album that you ever that, had? That I ever had. I definitely had Ice Ice Baby, but it was just the, no, I guess the I single? didn't have the whole, <laughs> I had the single, yeah. Um, MC Hammer, I probably had, I've had, had Paula Abdul. Um, that was one that I had cold hearted snake. remember that one. I had Millie Vanilli, but I think the very, very first, if I have to go like way back that I can remember, it's gotta be, it's gotta be those, those, cause we live next to a store called like music junction and we'd walk down there and get the singles and get the, the tapes and stuff. I think like mine that. was licensed to ill by the beastie boys. Yeah. Um, that's, oh, that's a good one for sure. Beastie uh, boys was super cool to me. Oh, I love beastie boys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your biggest challenge as an artist? feeling the pressure to have to keep making stuff all the time especially if like you're on instagram i see my friends cranking out like crazy stuff like my friends like i have my one of my good friends who i do fashion shows with is melt face aka christopher dance he's in a lot of my posts and stuff he is a sculpting teacher he's a musician he makes he makes music all the time he has an art night every monday night he is making all these crazy sculptures with like monsters and masks and stuff and then i have a friend mary beth she paints all the time always you know they just continue to create and create and create and stuff and it's like i feel like gosh am i not you know am i not an artist am i not being if i'm not actively making things am I still an artist? You know, that sort of thing. Like, or do I have to continue to make things to keep my brain sharp or to keep my skills sharp, you know, but really like my biggest skill that I have, I would not say I have real mastery of anything, not even like sewing or anything like that. 
is just the ability to improvise and because I can improvise Huge. I can make anything I can make it work you know yeah. if I, you give me some parameters I can I can do it so um, that that's really it it's just putting that pressure on myself and then like is that the expectation of my art friends that I should be making new stuff all the time to stay relevant or to be justified as an artist you know yeah do you believe in ghosts no I don't think so no I don't really think I do believe in ghosts right. um you know but if you come up to me and you say that you saw a ghost and you're talking to me about it and stuff like that I'm not gonna like shoot you down and say no nah, you're full of shit you know I'm, I'm right. gonna listen uh, yeah. In the realm of possibilities, could it be true? Sure, but I've never seen one. What's a good piece of advice that you've received? Blaze your own trail. That's my personal mantra. We have, you know, icebreaker questions and people like uh, my one of my favorite ones, which you, you can answer this one too. If you were a billboard, what image and what slogan would be on your billboard? So mine would be a monkey on a dirt bike with a cigarette hanging out of his mouth, going down a mountain, giving the middle finger, and it would say blaze your own trail, right? Uh, that's my billboard. What would yours be? I So the, the slogan I always made up for myself back in the day was, as those who really know me know, there is no real me. So it would probably no. say something like that, which is sort of an idea about how you're constantly evolving and like the real you is a work in progress all the time. So Okay. I like that. Yeah. That, that's interesting. What would the image be? Um, I just picture that kind of swirling down into like an abyss. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Right. That's a good one. I, they're also good advice is when you stare into the abyss, the abyss, the abyss stares, stares back you. at you. Yeah. I read yeah, that so. in the infinity gauntlet comic by Marvel when I was like in the sixth grade and it stuck with me. Mm -hmm. It's, like it's true. And that's what, I mean, that's for all the us people that watch true crime all the time. And then you go and work in an environment with people that are re-entry population. It's like you're submerged in crime all day long. And yep. then you wonder why you have dark thoughts. So yep, yep. do you prefer handshakes, high fives, fist bumps, hugs, or friendly waves? Hugs. I'm a hug. I'm a hug. I've been, I have been, uh, I have been corrected, redirected several times for hugging people. I'm not supposed to be hugging in my interview for graduate school. I hugged the lady. She was like shocked in one of my interviews for uh, internship. We had to go and like interview with the people for internships. I hugged the lady, she called my supervisor and said, this woman is so unprofessional. Yeah. She hugged me. I uh, can't believe it. Her boundaries are so poor. You need to watch out for her because she's going to be a problem and stuff. So there's a no hugging rule at the group home where I work right now. But I hug those people because I love them. I love them. You know, yeah. I know what it's like to be starved from attention. Like at basic training years ago, you physically go through eight weeks when nobody touches you. And so you take for granted Right. How because, yeah. the little tiny touches that you get throughout the day, you know, like whether it's something small or big, just physically having not another person put their hands on you at all is like deprivation. It really yeah. is. I, Cause I remember when, when I did basic training, this uh, person reached down, helped me tie my shoe. She, her putting her hand on my foot was so soothing to me and this hostile environment I was in yeah. that I was like, it, it did something to me that made me realize how valuable that is, but I get it. You know, there's people don't like that stuff or whatever, but I'm definitely yeah. a hugger. Uh, what band would you follow around for a summer? Um, I really like the band Slightly Stupid. You ever heard of them before? Yes. Yep. I've seen them in concert a bunch. They're kind of like uh, reggae, rock, ska, all together. I've seen them a bunch of times. Lots of fun. I'd like to follow them around because I guarantee whoever they're touring with would be cool as a Motley, G-Love, those types of people. I love G-Love. I've seen G-Love yeah. like 10, 15 times in my life. Yeah, I've seen G-Love. He wears the like drum on the back, like the harmonica strap. Yeah. Like he kind of looks like the guy from 
Mary Poppins, the chimney sweep yeah. guy or whatever. He just did an art I show like in him. Boston a couple weeks ago that I, I didn't find out about to the day of, but I would have gone to if I had better. Yeah, plans, but... that's cool that you like Gila. I mean, that's been that's yeah. been a year since I've seen them, but I would follow them around. You yeah. know. Um, you already mentioned this, but earliest memories of drag. You talked about your friend from high school. Yeah. So, yes. Um, uh, what fashion choice do you quietly judge others for? For Um, yeah, so there, you know, there's a lot of everybody wears two piece yoga outfits all the time. So it's like a sports bra and a pants. Um, yep. it's getting kind of like crazy off the hook with those. Like that's like the, the thing. Um, so I shouldn't judge for those sorts of things, but like I do, I guess that's something to kind of judge. Yep. And then, um, another fashion thing that I judge people for. Oh, it seems like there's a lot. I can't really think of it. Maybe it's because I blocked them out. Well, I've got about 20 more questions to go through them all. Do you want to push through and yeah, do them? Yeah, you're good. Yeah, right, go for cool. it. Um, how old were you when you realized that you were an adult? Because I think about this. For me, it's either 13 or 37. Like, oh, I, it's... Yeah. <laughs> it's like late. It's like, and you know, I think I'm just now like realizing that. Like, I would go to family functions and still refer to like my aunts and uncles as like the grownups and stuff because like everybody just seems so grown I've always been had like a child like curiosity and be real curiosity really fuels a lot of my decisions like I'm just curious what happens when I put the fucking potato skins down the down the garbage disposal is it gonna take it can I flush this down the toilet like I want like the other day I was never mind I won't tell I was talking about wanting to burn something I'm like I just wonder what's like when you burn this like I just have this oh yeah yeah. I I know exactly yeah I know exactly the curiosity you're talking about someone with ADHD you come up with really bad ideas is really quickly yeah you know so that to me but then when i realize that i'm more of an adult is this this job i have at the place where i work now is like i have to take a lot of responsibility for people that they cannot they don't have the capacity to be responsible i work with a lot of people that are developmentally delayed on top of that they have schizophrenia on top of that they don't have any family all these people that they have and i just having to manage a lot of really complex problems for them like their social security their disability their appointments you know and then and then on top of that trying to teach them life skills and trying to help them with their trauma those sorts of things i had to help them with a really complex uh, court case and things like that so that sort of thing and then just trying to get the clients to understand the decorum of being in public or being in a group setting and giving bringing dignity back to their lives of like Hey, let's put on a clean shirt today. Let's brush our teeth. Let's those sorts of things. All that stuff's really translated into my own life of being of wanting to re, wanting to regain and and sustain dignity in my own life. Dignity yeah. of um, behavior, you know, of like having um, not not having as much tolerance for like reckless behavior, things right. like that, that sort of thing. And I'm just kind of coming into that now, honestly. Yeah answer are you still friends with anyone that you went to preschool with yes i am amanda watson shout out to amanda watson she was like my mom's best friend's kid right and so that's somebody that uh that uh she knows she knows a lot we know like almost everything about each other just because our moms like fill us in about stuff i don't see her very often there's probably too i had a few of those two that i've known that i've known i'm like i've noticed since we were like four like that's unbelievable (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, there, I think there's probably, there could be some others and stuff. I have a whole lot of cousins. Cousins are like your first friends, you know, so right. I have a big, yeah. big cousin family. But yeah, Amanda Washington, if you're out there and you're watching this, shout out. All right. Um, how do you think the Smurfs tell each other apart? 
well, they all have a defining thing, right? You know, so but it's that, like, like you have to care if you're like harpist smirk. Did you carry a harp around all the time so people know who you are? You'd have to, you'd have to, you know what I mean? But here's the thing now, let, think of it this way. Penguins, they all look alike, right? Every yeah. single one of them look alike. How they differentiate themselves and remember who their mate are is through the distinct sound. They have a song, right, that they sing. So if I was a Smurf, what I would do, because they all look the same, let's strip away all of their material possessions. They don't have the flower in their hair. They don't have the mirror for vanity. They don't yeah. have even Smurf that doesn't have the blonde hair. You have to distinguish yourself through it would have to be through sound or you really can't emit a smell or anything like that right. so you'd have to have a distinct song or tone they of all voice. sing the same song the tra la 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 i guess the they'd, have, them, but they'd, they'd have to that. switch it up or they'd be really fucking confused all the time i mean they would evolve or they would die right that's, that's the thing evolutionary pressure evolve or die they'd all die or they'd end up okay. killing each other that's a movie i'd watch um what's a surprising <laughs> fact about rupaul rupaul um surprising fact about rupaul I, I believe that rupaul can really do anything so it's it's hard to be surprised um about rupaul uh, one thing about rupaul is that rupaul really uh does a good job of like staying current on all pop culture because that, that's an important part of being a drag queen apparently especially if you're going to be in the industry or whatever like right. as part of it rupaul has been so, around for a long time too that's what i'm saying and so like rupaul's super old and like was popular way back in the day but still continues to stay relevant and, and know all the like new artists like every time i have a celebrity guest judge it'll be somebody that like all the young folks know i have no right. idea who that is so like the ability to transcend like the ages and to stay current i mean she probably has a team of people being like okay now this is ariana grande or you right, know she's right. a little bit whoever still, to know it's important to do are. that you know yeah yeah exactly um if you got arrested who'd be the first person you called my husband. If he won the lottery, who'd be the first person you called? I don't know if I'd want to. I'd be pretty selective. I'd call my husband too, right? But I wouldn't call a whole bunch of people because then people would be coming out of the woodwork trying to get my lottery winnings. Um, what's a talent that you wish you had? A talent I wish, I wish I knew how to play a musical instrument really well, like play the piano. You know, yeah. like there's some also... You know what is really impressive to me is when people can do like backflips and shit like that. Like I used yeah. to be able to do that. People that can even. do flips and like tricks and stuff, like having this a bit physical ability to do stuff I got like that. None of that. Zero. Yeah. Is it so but it's so impressive when people do though? It's yeah. like you're still doing backflips. Like, I have some friends that do stuff like that. It blows my mind. Board. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. I have friends that do things on skis that I wouldn't do on a roller coaster. Um yes. If you were a superhero, what power would you want your sidekick to have? And your sidekick is a medium-sized turtle. <laughs> That's question sixty-six. Turtle. Okay, so it well, so one, I'd want them to have the abilities that a human has. Like that would be a superpower for a turtle, right? Because if they just have the ability that a turtle has, they wouldn't do me any good, really. So yeah. I'd want them to be super intuitive to all of my needs before I before I need before I even really know that I need them, right? Yeah. Just be there and be like, let me get you your drink. Just kind of like a Mr. Belvedere of turtles. That would be a superhero turtle oh, to instinctively know what I want them to do. Are but you I the mean, Bob like Euchre in this situation? <laughs> right, that, that, that question doesn't count. Um, what song gets you the most pumped up? What song gets me the most pumped up? Um, right now, the song that gets me the most pumped out of every song is Redline by Jordy Kiefer. Do you know that song? No, I'll look it up though. 
Oh, dude, it, that song, that was another whole album, but I heard that song on like an Instagram reel, listened to it a million times. It's like, I come from a long, long line of denim jean. Like, it's just the best. I already really. love it. Yeah. Um, why Why do so many people give up on their dreams? I, th I think that, you know, I think that they think it's just that a dream, but they don't think that it can become realistic. Maybe they have people that telling them that they can't do it. You know, um, I think it's like, being I think being around the right people I think that can really that brought a lot of my dreams to fruition you know being around people that were supportive and like-minded that kind of can help you see creativity that sort of thing but maybe it goes back to also of like when we talked about earlier the innate creativity they don't think that they they they're not optimizing that innate part of their personality right that innate part of what it is being a human and they feel like they are, there's too many obstacles they can't adapt, they can't improvise, they can't overcome. And so they just don't see a way to achieve these things, right? And so I think if people, more people tapped into that creativity that they had, that they could find a way to achieve their dreams or also managing expectations. Like, are you going to be in the NBA? Maybe not. Maybe could not, you be yeah. like a coach or could you start designing basketball jerseys or something? Like, you know, I think there's a, a level of people, they don't really get to explore what they're good at and what they're interested in, right? And when your interest in your talents meet is when you find optimal job. This is a part of like, of counseling too. It's like career counseling, vocational counseling, right? You find these two things, people don't get enough time to explore those things. So like you're 18 years old, your parents make you go to college. You're not old enough to know what you're good at or what you're interested in. You major in accounting and that's it, right? And then you look back at your life and you say, I wish I always wanted to be an artist or I always wanted to be, you know, Sports and they never realize how close they always could have been if they just, I mean, most things are doable if you put your, if you, you know. Exactly. Um, when I say the words pro wrestling, what's the first name that you think of? Rick Flair. Woo, woo, woo. Woo. Rick Flair. He's getting ready to come to Indiana in two weeks. He's going to be here at the World World of Wheels, the O'Reilly World of Wheels car show at the Indiana State Fairgrounds. He's going to be here he next will. Sunday. Rick Flair signing autographs. Yes, he got that drip. The nature boy. Yeah. That's one. Yeah, Rick Flair. No yeah. doubt. Um, if you were to dedicate yourself to one charitable cause for the rest of your life, what would it be? Uh, community mental health, community mental health, no doubt. I mean, like they're, you know, it, it's always chaotic. Uh, they can't keep therapists. They can't keep, you know, um, they can't keep care managers. They can't keep managers They're, you know, the clients really underserved because people in community mental health don't get paid enough. It's too stressful. They don't manage caseloads. Um, but I really would give like a huge ass grant to have art therapy programs across the board for people. All right. I think we have less than 10 questions now. Um, mm -hmm. What is one preconceived idea you had about me before we started this interview? Um, that you're going to be like a lot more gangster, like a lot more like, like that was what I thought you're going to be like, I was like, this is, no, this is really funny. So like, I was trying to figure out what I was going to wear and stuff. So I have this, like, I have this, um, Ivan Drago, like, oh, jacket like Rocky for Rocky. Awesome. Yeah. But, but it has a like sickle and hammer. I thought it might be controversial, but I was like, I know you like Wu-Tang Clan, you like hip hop and stuff. So I thought maybe you're going to have like a lot of like swagger like that or whatever that you might be like g'd up or something so that's kind of what i thought that's funny that's funny mm -hmm. um you disappointed <laughs> no i'm not no you're very endearing very nice oh, to talk it. to um same with you um what's something you wish you learned in high school but you weren't taught art 
nobody i didn't do anything artistic if i was doing creative stuff back then like with fashion with art these things i probably wouldn't have been like drinking and doing drugs and so i mean maybe not you know i don't know i would have had something more useful to do with my time optimizing my talents because when you start going haywire and you're not going to be a cheerleader anymore then what you know you're not participating in sports anymore which is kind of like what i did before was like sports gymnastics things like that those things aren't going to be a reality for you at the alternative school because they don't even have a gym, right. let alone an athletic program. Um, I used to go been... to a, a local um, a school around where I used to live and I used to go talk to the students and they had like these full like tablets, like this thing that you draw on the mm -hmm. screen and you're just like, mm -hmm. we had we had like a kiln in some like cheap clay <laughs> and we were like told yeah. to make a pinch pot. Like that's... Yeah. Yes, right, exactly. You know, so it's yeah, like preparing, so, it's like preparing me to be to live in like ancient Egypt is what they're preparing <laughs> me to do. Right, exactly. Yeah. So that wasn't anything like that. That would have been something that would have been good for me. All right. What are five celebrities you would choose to live in a treehouse for three months with as part of a reality show? Okay, so it would probably be um I would want to live with Rue McClanahan. I'd want to live with RuPaul. I'd want to live with Daniel Day-Lewis, but him as as um, Daniel Plainview, the character from uh, There Will Be Blood. Ooh, That's good lord, you're really uh, taking a risk there. <laughs> no, no, I love him. He, no, listen to me. That, so Daniel, that, that character, Daniel Plainview, I, that was the most sloppiest, laziest point in my life when I saw Daniel Plainview down in that pit, crawling across the desert, like he's a self-made man. Like that really inspired me to stop being such a lazy piece of shit, you know, yeah. but it's, I know he like went haywire and was, was greedy, but he was a person that was very masterful at survival and making that, making a name for himself. Right. Yeah. So if I live in a tree house, yeah, I would, yeah. I would have him there. Right. Maybe Blanche and RuPaul could like help him not be such a dick or whatever. Um, and then more people, was there five people? I think, that yes, five. Or? Yeah. Um, I would also like maybe like Bear Grylls or some, he's yeah, also a survivalist guy. Yeah, he would be useful. And then, um, let's see. So that leaves one more person that's a celebrity to live in a tree house with maybe somebody that was like a celebrity chef or some chef like that. So they yeah. Cook us some food. Yeah, that's actually, that's a good choice. All right. Like not one of the mean one, not like Chef Ramsay, but like a nice fun person, you know, maybe like Emerald, like the Bam guy from like the Creole Cajun chef. You wouldn't want to see, you don't think Ram, um, uh, Chef Ramsay and uh, Daniel Day-Lewis there watching them get into, that's good television, I think. That would be re really interesting for sure. So. That's very better for the people at home than the people in the treehouse. Um, yeah. All right. Six questions left. If money and time were no object, what would be your ideal art project? Of money and time or no object, my ideal. So it would be like a big, huge community thing. I would, I've always wanted to have a huge like fashion parade. Like out on the East Coast, they have like the mermaid parade, mm -hmm. right? They have like the, you know, this big thing with the floats and the outfits and stuff. There's this cool trail called the cultural trail that goes all the way through Indianapolis that starts downtown and goes like down to the other town, other side of town and stuff to have like a great big, huge wearable art parade where everybody gets to be on floats like the big floats like the cool ones you know like the crepe mm -hmm. paper and the moving parts and stuff and we just have this huge conceptual parade walking down the cultural trail and stuff and it would culminate in a great big fashion party wearable art party um and that would be it awesome um what is your perfect dessert oh perfect dessert oh gosh I don't know. I haven't had a dessert in a while, but 
I like stuff with coconut a lot. I think that's really good. I didn't. Like I never had coconut until like five years ago because I thought I was allergic to it. And then I looked at my uh -huh. vitamins one day and it said coconut oil. I've been taking them for like 10 years. I'm like, I guess not. And I had a Mounds bar and I'm like, where have you been my whole fucking life? Yeah, dude. Yeah. Almond Joy, Mounds. I, I'm allergic. To, I am allergic to almonds, unfortunately. Are you? Oh, no. All right. Well, no, I like um, I like stuff with coconut. I think that's really good. Um, yeah, that sort of thing. Right. Strawberry shortcakes. Good. Um, what fashion brands were you into as a teenager? So when I think about fashion brands, um, when, when I was in high school, there was a store called Gadzooks. I don't know if you remember this store. Of course. You remember Gadzooks? So they had like the belt with like the, uh, it was like the seat belt belt with all the bottle caps around it yeah. and stuff I like both that. worked at Spencer Gifts and Hot Topic. So I, I okay. know Gadzooks. <laughs> so that's so why I shopped at Hot Topic too. So I, I liked, in when I was in high school, the trends were coming back around was like big chunky heels, like the 70s trends were coming back, like bell bottom pants and things like that. Um, that was, that was the sort of thing. So, but then when I was in in elementary school what was popular was like guest jeans yes. guest t-shirt esprit um kids uh what was that french Lincoln brand Black. it was martin gerbo i always forget it but we used to be into that back in like seventh grade like that and like starter jackets and like backwards yeah, crisscross jeans <laughs> yes yeah that's right so malcolm x had a there was a, do you remember malcolm x clothing line yes remember that? Yep. cross that colors i had a bunch of cross colors too yeah cross colors Yes, yep. I remember that. So the fashion of in living color. <laughs> yes, we would tight roll our jeans, like peg the jeans. Yes, Sam and Libby flat with like a big bow, and then wear an oversized Esprit T-shirt with the sleeves rolled up and then tucked into like the mom jeans. It is weird that as I think of it, my the fashion sense for me in like junior high was mixed between in living color and Saved by the Bell. Oh yes, right. I love that. I have yeah. the transfer over here. We're going into this. It's all right. Going into the other room. Three questions left um have you ever had an interesting encounter with a celebrity and you just mentioned one earlier <laughs> did so which which encounter did i say with the celebrity the that one that was a celebrity judge <laughs> oh yeah oh that, that wasn't an actual celebrity but yeah actually here's this is a funny story so my um Larry Bird. Oh, can you see me? Hang yes, on. I went to your picture. Larry Bird. I'm as a Celtics. I grew up in the Celtics, so I love Larry Bird. Oh, you're gonna love this. All right, Larry Bird lived with my parents before he started school at Indiana State University. What? So Larry Bird, yes, because he went to ISU. My dad's worked at ISU his whole career. I went to Indiana State for my first two years of school. My sister's a graduate from there, right? Larry Bird lived with my parents the summer before he started school after he left Indiana University for ISU. This is funny. So then later on, cut to like years later, right? Um, my sister was on Jeopardy and I can send you this link if you ever want to look at it. I so love Jeopardy Trebek, is my favorite. I love Jeopardy. Right. So when Alex Trebek comes up to you and asks you, what's a special fun fact about you, right? And she said, Larry Bird slept in my childhood bed. And so then the next day, the guy that does the show Talk Soup, Joel McHale, yes. he saw that clip of my <laughs> sister on that show and made fun of her first talking about Larry Bird sleeping in her childhood bed. Like seriously, like clowner, it was hilarious. And then and then made fun of Terre Haute, Indiana, where we're from and stuff, and like made this whole joke about it. And so that was like the claim to fame. So I haven't ever met Larry Bird, I don't think, but he did he did live with my parents. He did sleep in my sister's childhood bed. It was talked about on Jeopardy, and then later was made legendary by getting clowned on Talk Suit by oh, Joel McHale. Well, I'm good at asking questions. Uh, you are. See, <laughs> really I'm glad, good glad stuff we did it this way because it, it makes it so much more fun. And I always have I always have good answers to these questions. Yeah. All right. Only two more. Uh, what's the first website you go to each morning? Instagram. Go to Instagram. Yeah, right. that's where I go to. I mean, that's what Instagram is. I've gotten 
like any art job I've ever gotten, any fashion show I've ever Damn. gotten has been through Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, last question. Would you, and this is actually probably can answer this, this big one you just said. Would you prefer to live in a world without social media and smartphones? No, I mean I did before. You know, I mean you did right. before, right? We didn't yeah. have any of those things and figured it out just fine. You know, I mean I sucked at everything back then, though. I've only started getting good at stuff when I can watch someone else do it on YouTube and go, I can figure that out. Like that—that's to me the biggest thing. Is it's been I—I I struggled with learning when I was younger. I was as a good student. I was like National Honor Society president for some reason, but I almost failed off because I was doing shitty in chemistry and like. But like I um I don't even know where I was going with this. I was just rambling, <laughs> but. Um, I couldn't learn well back then. And now there's so many different ways to learn, like through YouTube and pausing and stopping. I That saved my life in some ways. Well, that's interesting. That's an interesting way to put it. Hang on, I'm going to take a screenshot of us doing this. All right. There we go. So um, that's an interesting way to put it. And right now I'm going to see, it would be, it would be very difficult to revert back to that, you know, but, you know, they always say like disconnecting and getting back into nature, those things. Do I ever feel worse after uh taking a break from social media no i don't no i really don't but um it would be really hard to go back but i do think about like having reminisced about all these things from our past that we've talked about um i do think of those times of how i did just fine like traveled in the airport without a cell phone you know like did all these things without any of that stuff and did okay you know yeah I left my wallet at home when I went to Home Depot today to pick up something that was already paid for. And I had like a minor heart attack, but I was able to call my <laughs> girlfriend and she found it and it was heart attack averted, you know? Yes. Right. So that, that's a good point. And I know what the things like, there is, hey, but... just not having to print out MapQuest like mm. directions to drive somewhere. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine doing, doing that, not having GPS? Like GPS get, is like, like people give you instructions that were like, take a left at the cloud. <laughs> it's like, and right. you're expected to find it. Like, yeah yeah that's exactly right. you get to the little pink house you've gone too far yeah that sort of thing so right, so that's that was 79 questions this this is a supersized episode of the articulate ox podcast i love that tell me why is it called articulate ox so ox is the character that i created um you see um ox in a lot of my my art my album cover it's an astronaut character mm-hmm. and i actually so i finished this um new hip-hop album um, called Drinking Songs for Children that I made last year. And I, I was able to reach out to some of my favorite rappers. From my, I got like Cool Keith on it, Raz Cass, Elza, Young Dirty Bastard, the son of Old Dirty Bastard, like Esoteric from Zarface, copyright, bunch of cool people. And I'm putting, I'm making a film that's based on my Ox character. It's, 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 the film is called Drinking Songs for Children. It's like a music video for the entire album with like little comedy bits in between. That's amazing. Right. And it's like, that's the that character so in cool. there. So it's sort of kind of like, it's it's kind of like Humpty Hump a little bit. Because I, I I play Ox in the thing, but I also play me. So it's sort of like Humpty Hump meets Shock G. So that's. Yes. The weird because digital right. underground to me was a huge, huge influence when I was a kid. It just right. Totally I love the concept of Shock G and Humpty Hump. So, like the guy that I do fashion shows with Melt Face, his real name's Christopher, and he's a sculpting teacher and like an artist. But when he puts on this luchador mask, it's this red and black spiral thing. This yeah. is like becomes a different person, mm-hmm. right? And so him and yeah. another guy named Eduardo. I have my ox him. luchador mask right here with the middle finger. Yeah, on that's amazing. See, that's amazing. You'd fit right in. You could wear that and you could be part of what we do. So I'll send you Leo Tomoda 3, the last like wearable art show we did together. We had all luchadors there helping the models on and off the stage. The My co-host was a luchador. And so everybody kind of has this alter My alter ego is called Ultra 5000. And so we all kind of have this 
alternative persona where we can like channel our strangest proclivities into it. And that's sort of what Ox is a little bit to me. It's fun mm-hmm. to have something like that, you know, and yeah, I always, I always love pro wrestling and I always love the people that the, the face paint, the ones that really took it to that extreme that always really captured my imagination mm-hmm. as a kid. So Yeah. That's wild. Well, this has been absolutely delightful getting to talk to you. I'm yeah, so glad you did lightning round questions. It's the best way to do an interview. You can yeah. get all of the details. All of your questions were uh, perfect for getting the full story, really, and yeah. being hilarious at the same time. Yeah, this was so great. Thank you very much for joining me. And that's been a pleasure getting to know you better. And um, we'll have your social media on over there so people can find you and they can find what you do and all that stuff. So. Great. And you said May is when it's going to happen. Yeah, I think I think May is I have a bunch of episodes recorded that are still that are already scheduled to go up. I think this will go up in May. So I'll, I'll keep you posted. Well, I can see it. This is going to be a good one. All right. Thank you so much. You're welcome.